0: It's for you, Pete, when you edit. Enjoy it.
1: Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on Core Temp Arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Podstalgic. Uh, This podcast is typically a movie review podcast where I rediscover, uh, or I take a nostalgic trip and rediscover movies new and old, but for this one, we're going to do something completely different, and joining me on this special episode is Dave, Super Movie Bros Dave. How you doing, Dave? I am doing
0: good. There are no walkers here. This is the first time me and you are on a podcast together, and we're not talking about The Walking Dead.
1: That's right. This is the first time you've been on my show. Uh, Dave, you and I, we host the Walking Dead coverage over at TV My Brain, uh, which is the official TV podcast over at Corten Parts. So, um, yeah, this is, this is going to be fun. This is a, I don't know. I, I think we can call it like a movie wars kind of thing. It's going to be like a semi award show um this is something that just kind of sparked in the middle of like a conversation on twitter you know i i don't it It was almost an argument because like (laughs) i had someone (laughs) was
0: someone in the chat had brought up like how great of a year 1990 was and i was like man fuck 1990 have you checked out 1989 and then like pete out of nowhere who like hadn't said shit in the chat for like three hours just pops in he's (laughs) like 89 holds nothing to 1984 and i was like are you kidding me so me and him immediately went to these websites we started looking up movies from each year spouting them off to each other and then pete was smart enough to say stop just stop this is an episode
1: (laughs) yeah that's usually how some of these start too especially especially with like guest appearances uh things of that nature so um you know that's that's actually i think how you uh uh Came to join me over at TV 8 my brain, you know. Like I think you might have like mentioned Walking Dead before, or you might have even actually. I think I heard it on your show, uh, you know, which I also listened to. So I think I might have caught that. And it came down to like between you and Paul over at the uh, the Countdown podcast, uh, you know, as filling in. So yeah, this is going to be really different. Uh, you are going to be defending the movies from 1989. I'll be defending the movies from 1984. And basically, what we're going to do is it's going to be kind of like the Academy Awards a little bit. We're going to go down 15 categories, and we are going to use only movies from the top 30 grossing um, of that year. But there are rules.
0: Thir- th- you already said it. the The 30 top grossing films of the year, 15 categories. So we can only pick 15 films out of those 30, but we can't reuse a film. That's right. Which makes it Fucking tough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just right before we started recording, you were telling me how difficult uh, making your list was. Or at least, I mean, not not at first, because you were like, oh, this, this is cake. You know, you were already defending the year, so you already had some movies in mind. Yeah, like
0: fucking zero hour. I just decided to look over my list and compare it to, to uh, Box Office Mojo. Uh, and I type in 1989, and I'm just looking at some of my movies, and I'm like, son of a bitch, man. Like six of my movies did not break the top thirty. Like I, I, I was like shit. What the fuck? I had to rejigger my list a half hour before we just started recording. I'm still 100 proud of my list. It, 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 it is my list, and I'm gonna defend it to the end. But I mean, like we, we, there's a category I had a film in it. We'll talk about it when we get to that category with the film I had in there. It's, it's an amazing film. However, not in the top thirty. So. It's going to be tough
1: it's going to be tough and it's kind of crazy too because that that's another thing that we discussed like kind of you know uh late earlier today you know right before we like okay this is what time we're going to record tonight but i text you and i was just like hey what do you think about you know this isn't an honorable mention or anything like that but what about the movies we just want to mention that did you know wasn't in the top 30 grossing but it is worth mentioning like these movies could have easily made made it into our categories but just because it wasn't in the top 30 we couldn't use them because of that rule
0: that's right i mean it's i mean i i had to sit there and i had to like bounce some of this list off my wife because i was just like n- of course 90% of it she hasn't seen
1: <laughs> sure
0: <laughs> but i got the classics from 1989 in there and i think i got them all in the right place and i even have backups just to fight you, if I have to.
1: <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, so, so so we might have to alternate taking turns. That's right. Every other category. That's right. Yeah. Um, man, this this was difficult. I'm not gonna lie. You know, because I remember '84 being a good year for movies, but at the time I was one years old. So I think you have the upper hand at being a few years older than one. Uh, You know, at 89, so you had more time to maybe watch a lot of these movies. I was three. Some of these movies... (laughs) I was, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, still. (laughs) But some of these movies I haven't even seen, just because, like, we only could choose from the top 30. Like, some of the movies that I'll list later on after we do the awards, like, they would have fit much better in some of these categories, but that's what happens. And so... I feel like some of these categories it's gonna hurt me just c- because of their placement like they would do better somewhere else but because I was only limited to like a certain uh, certain list you know that's that's where like I don't feel my list is that sexy so you're pretty confident about your list me not so much oh yeah not so much I, I am I have
0: confidence is high sir confidence is high I have seen all the films on my list there were some that I was gonna put on here that I hadn't seen and I had decided that if I hadn't seen it, I wasn't gonna put it on there, and luckily I was able to fit something from the top thirty in all the categories, and I've a hundred percent seen them all. I think you're gonna be surprised with some of the ones that I pull out, and I'm hoping, I'm just hoping, no matter what, we're gonna have a ton of fun talking about these films.
1: Yeah, I'll spoil it now, man, but I'm probably a third, a third, maybe a quarter of the movies I hadn't seen. But um, at least I'm familiar with them. Like, I've heard of them. I've seen them at the blockbuster. Just never watched them. Man, you know, you didn't even or w- seen didn't bits of pieces. You didn't even watch a YouTube clip
0: of, like, the best bits of this film <laughs> that I put well, in? Well, <laughs> okay, I tried
1: doing some of that. But out all of right. context, well, you know, that's not going to help. But, you oh, know, wow. like from what I do know, that that's how I kind of decided, all right, I'm going to place that here. So, <laughs> so this is going to be interesting for sure. Uh, and, and hopefully this is going to be a first of many. You know, I... Uh, I went to my producer, you know, Carly, who runs Core Parts, and I was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing for an episode. And she loves the idea, man. She she actually she was like, Oh man, she she wants to defend ninety Ooh, what was it? Ninety six, I think she was. Like that just like popped out of nowhere. She's like, Ooh, I want to do ninety six. I go, but oh oh, all right. <laughs> ninety six <laughs> so, and more, like nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen
0: ninety nine is like an awesome year for films. Like you nineteen ninety nine, I think that's uh that that's like Fight Club, and like ah, there was just so many films, and like nineteen, yeah, like nineteen ninety nine was like so good. It's almost like like every five years you get a really good movie year. So like ninety four was really good. Like I said, ninety nine is really good. You're doing eighty four, I'm doing eighty nine. Like that's five year gap. Oh you yeah, get, you're right. You hit like these. You hit like these strides, and it's. I think it's because every five years you're kind of you're you're ending, kind of like a genre, and kind of like when you're ending. Sometimes you get the best because they're taking a genre and they're innovating it, but it's also like the last and then they're going to start building something new. So it's almost like the the cycles like just change like just a little bit. And I think like you'll you'll tell from my list, you'll see which movies are kind of like the end of the 80s era and also the ones that are kind of like the beginning of the 90s era. And I think for you, a lot of yours are going to be like those ones that are right in the heart of the 80s, just scream 1980s and some of them might not hold up as well because they're so '80s, right. but some of them are so classic because they are so '80s.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I can't disagree with you there. Uh Yeah, man, I'm just I, I keep looking at my list. I'm like, good lord, like when I say some of this, you're gonna probably gonna be like, what the fuck? Like, how, why is that there? I'm like, hey, man, that's the best I can do. You know, you give me a shoe, and you know, I mean, I, I'm gonna have to use a shoehorn with some of these movies. Like, they may not fit, but I'll do my best. Um, but you know what? Uh, I'm very unprofessional. Before we even get into this, why don't you tell the listeners about your show, because this is the first time you've been on here.
0: Uh, yeah, so I'm Super Movie Brother Dave of the Super Movie Bros Podcast, uh, at Super Movie Pod on Twitter. Uh, me and my co-host Jay, we do a show where uh, we take... You know, just everyday life. You know, we usually start our show talking about everyday life. We talk about the shit we watch this week. Then we usually move into a segment we call Indie Corner. Jay gets to talk about his little indie darlings. I usually make up a fake synopsis for the indie films to go along. Those are fun. Yeah, just because I haven't seen a lot of them. So like and some of them have like fun names. Like me and Chris from the MGT podcast, from More Gooder Than Podcast, we talked about uh he had Francis a, Ha. Francis Ha, right. <laughs> Which, for Chris, he's like... He, he's a guy from California. He's like, that is totally a korean name <laughs> in, right, in his right. mind he's like that's a korean name so he came up with this synopsis that fit uh, a little bit with with like I, someone who would be korean mayan went i i went like deadpan with it i said it was a woman who who had a disease where she couldn't smile and she couldn't laugh so it was all about her until, to, until she heard a fart <laughs> until yep, she heard a fart, <laughs> right <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> movies not anything like that at all but we kind of like have fun with it and then jay reviews the indie film uh and then we have other fun segments we, we do new movie reviews, uh, and my favorite two segments are when we have a guest on. We get to do a top five. We pick a category that usually fits within the movie that we're reviewing that week, and we do a top five category with the guest. And then another favorite we have is Trailer Park, where we get to like just sit down and talk about the new trailers that drop, the things that really geek us out, and the things that we don't like in movie marketing. Yeah, and you guys review beers. Oh, my God. How could I forget the beers? I know. I was waiting for it. I was I waiting for it, man. Well, I mean, the, the craft beer thing, it, it stemmed out of kind of like how me and Jay bonded. Like, me and Jay bonded over, over movies, and we me and him worked at the same place at one point, And we used to go out for happy hour together. We used to meet up at the bar at night and have a couple beers, and we just talked about movies. And I don't know why it took us five years to just start doing a show about it, but that's that's what we decided to do. Sit, sit around, have some beers, uh, and talk about movies and we have a lot of fun doing it so
1: yeah it's a it's a great show it's very premium wink wink and um you know it's a there's something for everyone something for everyone you just spout out like a lot of different segments so there's something for everyone so definitely check it out all right man so i guess we're gonna get into it so it's uh movie wars what do you think about that calling it movie wars 1984 versus 1989 you got to put the hashtag in that we like this has to become
0: like uh, once a month or, like, once a quarter series on your show. And yeah. you have to, like, just hashtag the movie wars and then the year versus the year, man. Uh, I I, I would 100%. Like, I listen to Podstalgic as it is. So I would 100% look forward to these episodes. Like, these episodes would be, like, the mecca of the show, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, you know, Justin and Chris who uh, they, they do their, their movie drafts. You know, it's, it's something like that, perhaps. Uh, shout outs to him, or them, I guess, but Justin was on a mannequin, a previous episode, so check that out if you. Uh... That's 1987, though, so that's another year. I think 87 would be another good year for me, um, just thinking about some of the movies off the top already. But all right, man, let's get into it. So, what we will do. I will name off the category, and then I guess we will take turns, uh, going, you know, um...
0: Do you want to list all the categories first before we even name out movies, all 15 categories? Like, what, so people can expect, uh, what, you know, what's to come? They can kind of get their own ideas in their head of what should be put in there, and
1: maybe we'll surprise them. Maybe we'll meet
0: expectations. All
1: right, okay. So, obviously, this is the, uh... You know the the very first movie wars episode. So uh, the very first category we'll get into is going to be best montage. Um, you know, it's, it's not an eighties uh, movie without a montage, and so we'll we'll see if that sticks around for the nineties and stuff too, because that's going to be kind of interesting. We're uh, gonna next... have a montage, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. We're gonna have a montage, yeah.
1: Now, the next category would be special effects. So, best special effects there. Um, category three is best fight scene. Uh, category four is uh, writing. Best writing. Now, could that be best writer? Writing, writer? What do you think? I would, say, just writing?
0: I would say best best writing for a film. So, like, you're, you're the film that had the best writing, if you wanted to say writer. But we already said, like, if we use an actor that's in, like, say, um, a, a movie... We can still reuse that actor, but not for that same role. We can't reuse that film again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So saying writer would be the same as saying actor. So it's the same as, like, nominating the movie.
1: Right. Got it. Uh, The next one is uh, soundtrack. I guess the the number doesn't matter, but soundtrack is the next category. Uh, The one after that would be sequel slash prequel. And that's something we had to amend uh, tw- uh, towards the end here just because, <laughs> hey, maybe that year didn't have a sequel or prequel in the top 30, uh, which was kind of uh, my issue. I, I didn't really have a... Actually, I did have a sequel in the top 30, but it was not one I wouldn't use at all. So uh, <laughs> pre- prequel kind of helps. And uh, that may surprise you, actually. I don't know if you actually... Um, was, it, was it Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? <laughs> Is that <right>. your sequel? <laughs> actually, uh, since we're on that topic, just to kind of throw it out that I'm not going to use this, uh, in the top 30... There was, uh, let me see, the sequel I had to work with, uh, Friday the 13th Final Chapter. Oh, no, no. That was in the top 30. I wouldn't let you use that. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, this
0: game over, dude. Like, <laughs> like you forfeit. <laughs> if Nick from Epic Film Guys had his soundboard, game over, man, game yeah. over.
1: <laughs> I love that one. That's so great. Zero uh, point. After... Zero. Uh, sequel and prequel we got horror best horror movie uh then we got best comedy best action best drama and then we got breakthrough performance now what does breakthrough performance mean to you Is that, it, would you consider that like somebody's very first movie no i would consider it their very first like
0: breaking role like they're they're, they're very the thing that kind of like put them on the map so like okay. um so like there was a bunch of tom hanks films in 89 and i was like do i use tom hanks and he had he had Turner and Hooch, and I think he had um, the Burbs. Dragnet? I want to oh, say okay. burbs, I want right. to say it was the Burbs that was in '89. But I'm gonna bury the lead a little bit. Tom Hanks is not in that list. I found something else that was a surprise. He was a first time film actor in this movie, and uh, I'm very happy that I thought of this. So. I'm patting myself on the back a little bit. So when we get the breakthrough performance, when I say it, it's going to be like a, oh, shit moment for, for I think, so, some people.
1: Okay. Dang. You know what? <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Uh, continuing on. After breakthrough performance, we got best villain, then best director, uh, best female performance, and then best male performance. And then after all of that, uh, the uh, awards are given out, then we're going to talk about, well, maybe not talk about, just list the movies that were outside the thirty that maybe we could have used. So, Oh, absolutely. um, So how do you want to do this? So since you're the guest, how about you just go first uh, for our first category, Best Montage?
0: All right. Yeah. uh, So Best Montage, like I said, 89 is kind of like the end of the 80s genre. So it was kind of moving into 90s. There wasn't many films on my list that had a good montage just going through it. I, I looked through the top 30. I was like, no good montage there. I really thought that Rocky V was in 89. Uh, I think it was in 90. Uh, so I didn't have anything to really go with a montage. So I'm using what some people might think is a big 89 film right up front. Ghostbusters 2 for mm. the Ghostbusters are back montage that whole montage where like right after they get back together like there's that there's that part where Janine Melvin is sitting in the uh is sitting in the in Central Park and the jogger comes running by and he oh, right. just kind of like steps on and he goes, and, and like they they do the stuff where they're like they're in the jewelry store and they have all the prisms hanging up and and they all fall and they break it's just it's just like you know 84 ghostbusters when they when when they do like their whole montage of like how they're growing and stuff like that it's the ghostbusters are back and it's that moment in the film where you just you know you just remember kind of like what fun you had with the original Um, and so it's really the only montage that I could think of in my year that could really fit this so Ghostbusters Two is out of my list now, but I, I felt like it was a good place to use it just j- just for that montage. Plus, you know, it's it's that point in the film where you remember that you're watching Ghostbusters and that you are having fun. There's some funny things up front, but it really wasn't Ghostbusters until they started wearing the uniform, wearing the proton packs, and mm-hmm. you see them in a montage busting some ghosts.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a that's a very good one. Uh, I I like that a lot because uh, it being a sequel. You know, uh, it kind of retains that spirit of like the original, which also had montages, right? Because that, uh, that that may have, you know, came out in my year. So more on that later, perhaps. Um, for me, my montage, I went with a movie that on, let's see, in the top 30 grossing for 1984. Uh, this landed on number six. So very, very high. Um, it's a comedy called Police Academy. So, for those that don't remember, Steve Gutenberg, Kim Cattrall, um, Bubba Smith, or the late Bubba Smith, and um, I'm trying to think, wasn't uh, Bobcat Goldthwait in this one? He was in Police Academy Three. I, well, he. I see. I did all four movies. Um, yeah. He, I think, he was the villain. He, he was That's a right. bad yeah, guy yeah. at the yeah. least in the first one. In the second one, he comes back in like uh, he like uh, signs up for the police academy. So. <laughs> Hey, is he over at your house right now but uh you, you know why i love the montage in the in in all the police academy movies really uh, police academy movies yeah uh, but the first one especially you you got all these like your uh you know untraditional you know recruits to to join the police academy so all the like training montages you know uh you know people running and then like everyone falling uh behind you know things like that all these physical stuff that people can perform it's all fun you know it's all slapstick comedy very physical and things like that so so that's what i have for uh for montage police academy
0: very good man i, I as soon as you said police academy i i didn't actually snap to to an image of police academy i snapped to the simpsons episode this the uh, the stonemasons who keeps steve gutenberg a star
1: we do we do <laughs> I've pro- I'm sure I missed that episode. That show has gone on for like 20 plus years,
0: 70 fucking years. I feel yeah, like yeah, I,
1: I can't remember anything past like the first season. It's been renewed uh, to like
0: season 38.
1: Good <laughs> lord! Like, is Matt Groening still alive? Even? I don't uh, which, know. which shout outs to him. He's a Portland native. So, so good there for we him. go. Good for him. Yeah,
0: me and you will be long in our grave, and Bart Simpson will still be in the fourth fucking grade.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yep, <laughs> that's right. What was that 12? No, 10. That's was, yeah, Nine, nine somewhere nine or around ten. Like twelve. Nine I think it's ten. like twelve, perhaps. <laughs> All right. So next, we are moving to special effects, and since you went first last time, I'll kick it off with uh, my what I had for best special effects. Now, again, a movie I have not seen, and you know it's a sci-fi, so I hope that this works. And with this franchise, I understand that it's like every odd. Uh, numbered installment is a good one, and I got Star Trek three to search for Spock for uh, best special effects.
0: All right, all right, can't hate on that. I mean, Star Trek. No, it's the odd ones that are bad for Star Trek, my friend.
1: Oh, you're right because Wrath of Khan was a um, was the was second a, one. What? That's right. That's right. Okay, yeah, buddy. Mm. Well, there we go. So, I'm so not, much for that. <laughs> not saying
0: you got a bad film there. Search for Spock. I mean it has its it has its dissenters it has its haters but search for Spock i mean come on it brings Spock back you know right. Star trek 2 ends in like such a way that like you're, you're i mean your heroes still come out on top but i mean like you you lost Spock i mean you can't you can't replace Spock so it, it's it's really nice when you get him back in that film it's just you know the the wrapping on it wasn't so, you know, wasn't quite what like Wrath of Khan was, but let's face it, no Star Trek film from that era ever really recaptured what, uh, what I'm sorry, what Wrath of Khan was.
1: Yeah. And, and not only that, um, what's your thoughts on the movie aside? I'm sure the special effects were great.
0: That's true. Uh, <laughs> so, for the time, so that's what we're going with. Yes, yeah. I mean yes. for the time, they were practical effects, which is not like a, an easy thing to pull off back then. And and some people did it well. Some franchises did it well, and others didn't. Uh, I would say that I would say that the Star Trek series actually you know did it pretty well. They improved on the practical effects they did in the '60s TV show.
1: Right. All righty. So what do you got for special effects?
0: I got a James Cameron film. So automatically I win special effects cuz it's James fucking Cameron. <laughs> I got okay. the I got the abyss, man. Nice, nice. I mean, this film like the special effects in it. It was like one of the first times that you had like a full CGI like Character utilized on screen. It's it happened prior in some other films, but like not to the degree that the abyss did it in. And and the scene I'm, I'm referring to is the scene where the water just kind of like moves through the, right. the 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 undersea uh, ship. And, like, it it comes face-to-face with the actress, and, like, it takes her form and everything like that. And then the guy, you know, they shut the door and the water breaks apart and just turns right back into water and hits the ground. It's so fucking phenomenal. And then you get to, to the end of that film, and... You get uh, Ed Harris who, who puts on that scuba suit. He breathes in that, that, uh, that embiotic fluid pretty much. And he, he takes himself deeper into the abyss and he meets those aliens, those beautiful, shiny, uh, you know, fluorescent aliens uh, at the bottom of the ocean. And then the practical effects at the end, when that ship just comes up out of the water and it. You know, it's it's right there and like you see Ed Harris standing on it and he's so tiny in its scale. It's just it it's James Cameron. So you know Spectacle is there and special effects was there one hundred percent. So that's why that's there.
1: Yeah, that's a very pivotal movie for special effects, um, you know, in general, because without that movie I mean it gets replicated, you know, in T two, you know, with the the T one thousand. So it does he's not you know pulled it off then it may not have looked as clean in 91 so um, that's a good one man definitely can't hate on that you're right you definitely win special effects <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a whole five years of uh you know progressing as far as special effects goes so 100
0: percent true yeah so it, that, that that was oh. kind of an uphill battle that was a little bit of an uphill battle i i had thought terminator one came out in 84 so I was kind of looking forward to a Cameron versus Cameron on that one, but I just checked the mm. list. It doesn't look like Terminator
1: did come out in 1984. Did it? Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll that see. means it did. And S- stop, uh... stop listing movies <laughs> off my list. goddammit. it! <laughs> All
0: right. So, so you just did. You just did uh, best special effects. Uh, so I am going to start off with best fight scene, and I'm yep. not going to lie. Best fight scene was hard because I had one in this spot, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. And I couldn't put it here because it was not in the top 30 grossing for that year. Now, it should be said that that when we do uh, Box Office Mojo, it's top 30 grossing of that year from Mm -hmm. then until current. So it might have been top 30 in that year. I doubt it, though. I doubt it. But the one I had Mm. to go with is Tango and Cash nice so i you know i mean you got sylvester stallone you got kurt russell you got them doing the buddy cop thing they're they're kind of like building on what lethal weapon had done the the year prior but it's this the scene that i'm talking about is the jail fight scene where um jack palance is kind of like hidden in the shadows and these these guys come forward and you get that you get this great scene where uh where this Australian guy or I mean they say he's British but he he clearly has an Australian accent has is putting a straight razor to uh, Kurt Russell's face and he's like come on man don't let this limey fuck kill me give me an American to kill me cut my fucking head off but make it an American <laughs> It's just it just screams of like the 80s <laughs> Yeah I've never seen the movie And then you get the you get like this back and forth between like between uh, Specialist alone's tango and, and Kurt Russell's cash where he's like, you broke this guy's jaw. And he's like, yeah, it was a bad day. How's your day right now? Pretty bad. And then they both punched a bad guy at the exact same time. It's just so, so 80s that like I had to put it on there. Uh, and, and then they go through like this whole ridiculous fight scene. There's one point where, uh, Kurt Russell, like, baseball slides underneath a guy's legs, punches him in the nuts, steals his baseball bat, and then bashes him across the face.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> Sounds like a movie I need to
0: watch. It's, it's one of those movies that, like, you won't watch it, and, you, and, and you, you will watch it, and you will not be blown away, but you will come away enjoying it.
1: So, having a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm very familiar with it for sure, but man, I wish I had like some kind of buddy movie. Um, I don't have anything quite that, that, uh, well, not over the top, but, um, it, man, this, this year there was some stuff for sure. Like I could have put, I don't know, three other movies in this spot for fight scene, but then that would have taken it, you know, taken those movies away from some of the other categories I wanted to use later. But for my fight scene, I went with Ghostbusters 1984, obviously. So, um, you know, we kind of already mentioned it a little bit. You mentioned part two, but the Ghostbusters versus the Ghosts. You know, we got Zool in there, uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Um, we see Slimer there. They don't really fight him, but that's that's the best I could do as far as fighting with uh, yeah, Ghostbusters.
0: Arguably, one of the most fun fight scenes, right? Like the end of yeah. that. <laughs> you know, when he when he just looks at Ray, he's like, "I didn't think of anything, did you? No, did you? No, Ray. I can't help it." It just yeah.
1: popped in there. <laughs> yep, quite literally. The puns are all there too. And yeah, man, oh, like, it's so good. That that movie could have gone anywhere. That movie could have gone anywhere. And the puns are so good in there
0: too. You know, the uh, aim for the flat top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm sure I'll get some flack, like on you know on the social media, be like, dude, that's where you would use Ghostbusters with fight scene. But hey.
0: But, like, uh, you might, but I say your fight scene beats my fight scene because 100%, like, that fight scene is, f- as as much 80s and, and ridiculous as my fight scene was, your fight scene is iconic, fun, quotable. So, like, I give it to your fight scene over mine. Oh, percent. Hey, well, thank you.
1: All right. I like that. Okay. So, let's see. Uh, that goes back to me for writing, right? That's right. Best yeah. writing. Okay. Best writer. So, best writing. now. I saw bits and pieces of this movie when I was a lot younger, and the reason I never revisited or went back to watch uh, watch it in whole is because what I remember was kind of sad. Like, this wasn't a movie for a kid to watch. And this movie got all the nominations of uh, that year, and the reason I have it for writing is because it also got nominated uh, for Best Writing. And it's a movie that was also based on some um, experiences by some journalists, and that's Killing Fields. Are you familiar with this one?
0: Uh, only in passing I've never seen it but I like the research that you did I I did not go to the academy awards for any of my lists so I I so I like the fact that you were like fuck it if it won academy award it can't lose (laughs) well (laughs) so I didn't do extensive
1: research but the killing fields was on that list and I go all right I remember about this movie and I know that my dad introduced it to me when I was like really young and Again like I was too young to really like sit there and watch this. It's a you know it's violence it 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 has um you know it takes place during a war, you know the the uh, the the Cambodian war. Um you know it, it's very close to home, quite literally. You know my dad left Laos because of communists, came to the US. All you know all this story. So I think this was really close to home for him and so he had like this movie spoke to him in a way that it didn't speak to me, so I was you know I didn't grow up with it. But it's something I definitely want to check out, you know, with this little bit of research now. You know, Craig T. Nelson's in this movie as well. And I didn't realize, like, how many nominations it actually got. Uh, It even got nominated for Best Picture. So, yeah, 1984 British drama film about the Khmer Rouge regime in Cambodia. So, kind of interesting. I I think it's worth a revisit for me, but I have that for Best Writing. I feel like you should revisit it, man. It sounds like it has, like, a
0: lot of, like if not emotional resonance for you at least you know familial like emotional resonance you know something that you can you can watch and kind of like put yourself in your in your dad's eye and like kind of like watch it as your dad. dead like the same way I watch John Wayne movies like mm-hmm. I don't enjoy them as much as my dad does but I think when I watch them I enjoy them the way my dad enjoys them like I kind of watch them like I am my dad like that's just mm-hmm. it's just kind of like one of those things it's something I grew up with so like I always go back to it. I think you should give it a give it a look uh, I, I have I've not seen it but um you kind of have me intrigued cuz it has yeah. got it's got Craig T. Nelson it's got fucking coach man
1: Yeah right Don <laughs> Malkovich apparently is in it as well so that's already 2 for 2
0: Yeah uh my best writing is a film I've only seen once so I'll be 100% honest okay but it's got Morgan Freeman and he was driving a little old lady around oh, town Oh god and she <laughs> was a curt bitch <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Driving Miss Daisy nice. uh, uh, there was another film I wanted to put in here it didn't break the top grossing uh, for top 30 grossing so I couldn't put it in there but Driving Miss Daisy uh, I I had seen it. It's in there. It's got Morgan Freeman. It, it doesn't matter what you write for Morgan Freeman. I understand. It sounds phenomenal. Morgan Freeman could describe my my bow movements, and it'd be Oscar <laughs> fucking worthy. I mean, he did a movie where he talked about penguins, and I'm pretty sure it was nominated for best documentary. So. I'm sure it was. <laughs> but driving Miss Daisy, it it is kind of like this this like fun story about like you know just a man who takes a job driving an old lady around and you know the old lady is obviously old she's she's a bit racist and it's also like this love story about like kind of like how these two you know kind of come to like common ground and it all happens through their conversations like in this car so um i i felt like you know if it's all about dialogue if this film lives and dies on its dialogue it has to be in for the best writing so that's why i put it there
1: Oh, i like that a lot um that's a movie i can't say that i've seen in its entirety but i've definitely seen bits and pieces of it uh but however i've actually seen like the the tv ripoff on the show quantum leap yes. that it did a very similar episode so now i've, I've seen that countless times just because i'm a huge fan obviously and i knew that that's where they got the inspiration for uh for that episode but um One that I also want to eventually do on the show, uh, kind of revisiting the the old gem that I might have missed.
0: I drove that old bitch to and from the supermarket, to and from (laughs) church, to and from the country club. I couldn't stand her. I finally paid the maid to like smother her. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> you just have to go deadpan and real deep. <laughs> right, right. I like that a lot. So, uh, so I'm on best soundtrack now. Okay. Um, this is another category I'm probably going to lose, man. I'm, I, I know you uh, that I listened to the episode. You and Wes did the best 80s songs uh, recently. Right. Yes. So... I know you're going to like mop the fucking floor with me in this category. I only had one that I could pick, honestly. Okay. When I looked at the top 30, there's one that I could pick. It's Little Mermaid. Nice.
1: Yeah, I Damn. Mean, that's a good one. It's a Disney It's a Disney film.
0: and yeah. All the songs are still, you know, you could still sing them today. Sha la 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 Kisty Girl. Uh so like every single like one of those songs is memorable. Um my kid can still listen to those songs and sing them. And you know, another three-year-old or four-year-old could hear her singing it and know immediately that she's talking about Little Mermaid, and that's a year that I mean that's a movie that existed 20 years years before these kids were even a drip down their father's legs. So uh, the, 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 just the soundtrack for it alone holds resonance. I mean, the film itself holds resonance too. So that's why I made it on there. That, and I had no other fucking choice because there was no <laughs> other movie in 89 that really had a great soundtrack. I mean, there is a film, maybe one or two films that I could have put in there. One had a Danny Elfman soundtrack. The, the other one had a Prince, you know, it also had a Prince soundtrack. So I'm deluding right. later on to my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, another one had John Williams score to it. But if i'm going to say soundtrack if i'm going to say relatability i'm going to say something that you can sing something that you remember i don't think i could sing you know trust trust money 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 who are you going to trust i don't think i could <laughs> sing that and like well, i don't know anybody <laughs> anybody outside of of our little premium culture that you and i belong to pete i don't think like many people would get that but if i you know walk up and and i start you know singing about ariel in the ship looking up and wondering what life is up up like white like what life is like up there with what are those called feet um yeah. <laughs> you immediately know what i'm talking about so right. little mermaid goes for best soundtrack for me
1: i love that I love that. That's a it is a great soundtrack. A lot of great uh, Disney songs on that one for sure. Um, But yeah, you teased it. Uh, Wes and I recently did that. You know, eighties music, or I'm sorry, music from eighties movies, and some of the songs that were on there was in the soundtrack. So for my best soundtrack, I got 1984's Footloose. So I knew you
0: were gonna put this here and I knew I had nothing to go up against you. Footloose wins this this Footloose, category. Man. Hands That's, down.
1: That song, I mean, it, it even got nominated for best song uh of that year. Academy award nominated song. Um and it also received a nomination uh at the Golden Globe. So you got that going for you. You got uh, Holding Out for a Hero uh was also in it. Um and they I, I guess they re-released uh, another soundtrack like years later like back in 99 so these songs wouldn't count but they added a few so it's not even worth mentioning because it wasn't on the the original but i mean that song still kicks today in that bracket that we did you know uh, for those that missed out on that episode go check it out footloose got pretty high on the list out of tw- 28 songs dude
0: it was that was that was I mean I listen to your show frequently but that was one of the most fun episodes because the, the nice build up to it was was you did like you, you did those polls that like people could interact with and stuff like that and I yeah. have a lot of fun when like you're doing you did that bracket currently Wes is actually wrapping up his 90s tune uh, his, his 90s yeah. cartoon tournament and uh, last I checked BVS was moving on to uh, to, to the final the final too man I was moving on to the championship and I said that that Batman the animated series 100% is the cartoon that wins the 90s 100 100- yeah 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 I'm sorry
1: Batman, completely different movie yeah
0: Batman <laughs> Batman it's B-T-A-S Batman there you the go. animated series yeah, B-T-A-S yeah. but um that that 100% should win that but that's that's over on Wes's show on, on via VHS we're talking about talking about this right here but I mean come on you could have put this. You could have put Footloose in soundtrack. That works, but you also could have put this in montage cuz what a great montage this movie fucking You're right. has.
1: <laughs> You're right. But uh so then that would free up Police Academy. I don't know if it would really fit anywhere else and I really I really don't have a backup for uh for my soundtrack, honestly.
0: I'm really curious about what you have for your comedy because like Police Academy's a pretty good comedy. Ghostbusters yeah. is a fantastic comedy, but Absolutely. you used it for fight scenes. So I'm so curious for what you have for, for comedy.
1: Man. Yeah. <laughs> I it's not sexy for me, uh, because of another movie I wanted to put under comedy, I had to put it in another category because, you know, it, it it's it, you can actually put it in two different um categories. But then again, that that frees up another category which I had nothing else to really put in there. Um yeah, man. Ugh. But but actually, you know what? I uh, there there is another one that I could have done, but I think yours would have beat it out. I don't know. Actually, it th- this would be an interesting debate. I don't, I don't think it'd be a great debate, but a very interesting debate. But if I had not used Footloose and Footloose, the movie was used somewhere else. Purple Rain, I guess, would have been the backup.
0: Yeah, uh, that's um, and that's also a fantastic soundtrack
1: too. So, See, yeah. and and I'm not familiar with the soundtrack except for the actual song. And that's something me and Wes talked about too, like Purple Rain. Like we we all forget that that um that that was part of a soundtrack that 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 movie exists, you know. And yeah. it's actually in the top thirty; it was number eleven that year. Uh, it, but I'll tease it now: I didn't use it at all.
0: It's a movie that was made by Prince, so of course he did the entire soundtrack. So it's almost like a movie. It's it's almost like there was a a. Instead of a soundtrack being made for a movie, it's almost like a movie was made for Prince because <laughs> he yeah. was he was he was a fucking music god in the mm-hmm. 80s, in the 90s, all the way up until, you know, the day he died and and onward. Like he's he's kind of like a music god, man. Like he's he's a, a, an amazing guitarist. He comes up with with amazing hooks to songs his, like uh, his his music is is hands down, like, so 80s. I mean, you could have used Purple Rain anywhere. I'm, I'm kind of glad that you didn't because it, it, you know, it, it freed up best soundtrack. But for Footloose, I mean, you win best soundtrack. Uh, I just, I, I as, as fun as Little Mermaid is, you can still put, you know, I need a hero in any movie today and it would still work. You know, you can... It, but you can't you can't take any songs from Little Mermaid out and plug them into any other movie. They only fit in the context of that story.
1: And, and not only that, you go to a wedding, you throw on Footloose, everyone's going to dance. What are you going to do? Put on Kiss the Girl or That's right, yeah. Under the Sea? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so there we go. So
0: there you go. All right, man. Uh, I went first for Best Soundtrack. So you get Best Sequel slash Prequel, which we had to add just so you could put this film
1: in. This film, okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's not what you think it is. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm excited. So, here we go. A movie I'm pretty sure I did not see. Pretty sure I did not see. And it is Conan the Destroyer, which is a sequel. And um, I can't even say if I've seen uh, Conan the, the Barbarian, but I've seen Red Sonja, uh, where he plays a very similar character. And I'm not saying that's the best I got, but for the other you know for the other movie in question here i had to use somewhere else just because that's t- that's how my the the categories was working out you know just like a bracket like you, you gotta try to make them fit wherever you can
0: wrong oh man i was <laughs> <laughs> i was so hoping that me and you could go head to head i literally put this movie here because i wanted to have like a like a Hashtag movie wars face off. Yeah. Would've been <laughs> I, great. I wanted to put but I you didn't, so we can't. But I had to put in Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade.
1: Yep, that beats it. Obviously, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite Indiana Jones movie, so.
0: I mean, I, it is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Can we have a hug over the internet absolutely. right now? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Uh, you know, am mind your new best friend? I mean, I know you just made one in Chris, but, uh, I have you know. so many best friends <laughs> since becoming premium.
0: Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it is the best Indiana Jones film, and... You know, you could you could say and I would never fight anybody if they say Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best Indiana Jones film. That's fine. It it did a lot for action movies. It it kind of started its own genre of like this period piece action films. Um this whole lone adventurer type thing. It it did it 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 did it fantastically and we wouldn't have Last Crusade without Raiders. So if you someone wants to say that Raiders is the best Indiana Jones film, I'm not going to fight you for it. But watch Raiders and then watch Last Crusade and tell me which one you have more fun watching. Like Right. Last Crusade is just so much fun. One of my favorite scenes is the is the scene that is in the Zeppelin and, and he's just like uh, what am i supposed to do? Wait for the next man? I was the next man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything sean connery says in that film is just so fantastic i i love i i love their back and forth from the first second they're on screen together when you know so uh when he when he says junior and he's like don't call me that dad oh breaks the heart and the head <laughs> yeah it's, it's just, and then the, you know the nazis bust in dr yep. jones and they both
1: yes <laughs> you <know>? yeah right <laughs> good writing too there
0: yeah it was such it's so much fun like all the way up like the told the whole tank fight scene it almost this movie almost went in my in my best fight scene for that tank fight because that tank Mm. fight is phenomenal but when i saw best sequel and prequel there's two movies on on here that could have went on there i didn't want to put ghostbusters there because i knew ghostbusters was not as good as ghostbusters one it just isn't but there's two other films in 89 that could have went in for best sequel And I went with Indiana Jones because it is the sequel that I think did better than the original. It is. And it's just so much fun. Um, I I plan on doing some sort of retrospective on all Indiana Jones films someday. Um, Maybe that'll come after me and Wes do our retrospective on the Star Wars prequels uh, and stuff that we have coming up. But. Indiana Jones man it is my heart I love the Indiana Jones series and this is my favorite one in it so I could not not make it the best sequel
1: yeah it is it's a good one can't argue with that uh my favorite scene is when uh Indy gets an autograph uh from Hitler you know his uh his truly is that how wait is that how you say it no yours truly his truly yours truly Adolf Hitler (laughs) yeah there you go so I I like that you know he does does a little Johnny Cage you know a little autograph there um but that's a good one. I, I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, there's a movie that I'm kind of waiting for, and there's a couple categories where it could have fallen under. It's that there. You still have it's to... there. Oh, okay. It's okay. There. All right. It and, tells and... me that goose
0: stepping morons like yourself should try reading books instead of burning them.
1: <laughs> uh, but also, like, to kind of um, piggyback what you were saying earlier about, like, if if people said. Um, raiders was their favorite even if people said temple of doom was their favorite that's totally cool too because there's another franchise where uh some people say like the second installation is their favorite you know so i thought happens. you were
0: gonna put it here i thought you were <laughs> yeah the the only thing that'll get you a smack is if you say you know crystal skull was the best indiana jones movie get the fuck out never heard of it don't say it don't even <laughs> say it. who was never in that who was in that movie nobody because no it never happened that's right shia la hu no one cares.
1: Well, I mean, and, and also kind of like when you were talking about Rocky Five, I really wanted to be like, oh, I, I thought it went to like four, and then went straight to Rocky Balboa. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was four is just fun, and then Rocky Five
0: is just sad and and terrible, and you could tell that it tried to be what Rocky Balboa was, but Rocky Balboa is fantastic. It has actually one of my favorite Rocky quotes in it, so. And maybe someday if we get to 2006 in in hashtag movie wars, I could talk about Balboa.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, more to come for sure. Um, all right. So that was our sequel prequel. You know, I started it. So now back to you for uh, best horror, right? All right. So, uh, best horror again, this is a,
0: this is a category. I didn't have a whole lot to pick from, man. Um, there was not a lot of horror films. I mean, there were some, but they didn't break the top thirty. Only one stuck out to me that broke the top thirty: Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Nice. And I put it on here. I think even if some of the ones that were further down on the on the top grossing list, if even if I was able to choose from them, I still might have picked Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Is it the best horror film of the eighties? No. Is it the best horror film of, uh, you know of the uh, of even like in three years around it? No. But this film scared the shit out of me as a kid. I saw it when yeah. I was very young. I have an older sister. She's five years older. Uh, me and her bonded over horror films. And this is one of those ones that, like, it was, like, a day off from school. And it was just, it happened to be on, like, some USA marathon. And that's always where I caught movies like Pet Cemetery and Tremors. Like, I always mm. caught them on, like, these, like, movie marathons on, like, USA. And uh, Pet Cemetery scared the living shit out of me, man. It's It's... Uh, there's, there's basically one scene that like really stands out to me. It's when like the little boy comes back to life, man. And it's like, you know, first I play with Judd, then I play with mommy. Now I'm gonna play with you. And I'm like, ah, dude, it's so fucking creepy. And it's, uh, just the whole film just reeks of creepiness. And then you have, uh, you know, you have, uh, the monsters in it, man. (laughs) The The guy who plays uh, Judd is. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's Fred, Fred Gwen. Sorry. He's Her- Herman I Munster. had a brain fart. <laughs> yeah. He's Herman Munster. Uh, man, it's,
1: it was so hard for me to separate the, the, the two, you know, when I first saw Pet Cemetery as a kid, probably, uh, you know, like most people, uh, too young to watch it at that time. I'm just like, man, it, it still sounds like Herman. Just talk slower. That's a, that's a forbidden place. You don't want to go there. <laughs> Lord.
0: I. It's such a it's it it, it is an iconic horror film, but like, would it even break people's top 20 iconic horror films? Probably Probably not. not. But maybe maybe 25, you know, it was like one of those films where like it it was just not creepy enough that I was able to get through it, but creepy enough that like it left a mark, you know, growing up. So I put Pet Cemetery there. I'm sure you got something way better.
1: Maybe we'll see, but but how crazy was it to see that kid in Pet Cemetery Then see him go on to go do Full House and like be Michelle's friend,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> right? I I mean, iconically, that kid. Like, I just remember that bloody toddler shoe like bouncing on the yeah. ground, and I haven't seen it since I've had a kid. I don't know like what my feeling will be like watching that scene like after having a, a child. So, um but yeah, I mean that. Yeah, and then that kid goes on to be on Full House, and <laughs> isn't he's Michelle's first kiss, isn't he
1: on that? Uh, first kiss, maybe.
0: I don't. I don't remember Full House that much, man. I, I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably religiously. I, I do too. Know, but
1: um, I just sounds right. He kind of sounds right. Yeah, I think, Aaron. I think he yeah. was.
0: We'll just we'll just wait for him to show up on Fuller House. I know you watch yes. it.
1: Yes, I do. It's a great show.
0: So so do
1: I. <laughs> Nothing to be ashamed. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
0: Just wear it on your. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. That's it's right. just things you don't want to admit to others. And you
1: you have said this on. Uh, I think it was, it, it was on the The Walking Dead, right? You say just own it. You know, there's no guilty pleasure. Just own yeah. it. Yeah.
0: If you like something, dude, just fucking own it, man. Like, uh, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. I hate when people are like, oh, a guilty pleasure of mine is The OC. I'm like, no, fuck that. You liked The OC. Just say it. I like The OC. I like Dawson's Creek. Don't shy away from it. Everyone knows for, if they listen to my show. I fucking love Gilmore Girls. Hey, I hear it's a good <laughs> I wear show. it. I fucking wear it, man. It's got Milo Ventimiglia in it. Come on, man. Peter Petroli from Heroes, yep. and now he has a great show uh, on on NBC. Uh, this is us. I mean, come on. It's don't don't knock Gilmore Girls. Don't knock people for liking we're, things. We're man. friends.
1: Just and me and Milo. That's yeah, right.
0: We got a picture together. Oh, that's awesome. Did he give like his sideways
1: smile? Yeah, he, uh, we we talked a little bit. Uh, apparently, he's actually got a house in Portland too. Um, so he comes up uh, every once in a while, and he's like, "All right, hey man, let's take some selfies." And so we took like three pictures, you know, like different faces That's and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, cool guy.
0: There's a great story about his casting for uh, Rocky Balboa. He was actually one of the last actors who uh, who came in to read for the role, and. The uh, I think Frank Marshall is the uh, is the producer of those, and he was like, I don't know, I thought the kid was was pretty good. What do you think? And he like he looks to Stallone, and Stallone just goes, Well, you, you know, he's, he he talks out of the side of his mouth, so I mean, we got to do it, right?
1: Yeah, I I think that was in the <laughs> bonus feature. I think I remember seeing that. It yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so we got to do ma- it. It makes sense. It makes sense. It just, it just makes sense. Yeah.
0: Uh, what do you got for best horror? Man? All right,
1: best horror. Okay, so this isn't what you would consider horror, but I feel that when people saw it as a kid, they were scared, and it's Gremlins.
0: That's horror. That's Christmas horror, baby. Yeah,
1: and you know <laughs> this movie and another movie that may or may not be mentioned. Who knows? We'll see. But was one of the reasons that there's a PG thirteen rating. It couldn't be R, and it was too much for PG. That's so right. They created PG thirteen. People for.
0: Like, people, like, watch Jaws, and, like, they say fuck several times in that. And you see a severed, like, limb in that. And you see, you know, you see shark eating people in that movie. There's blood everywhere in that movie. Jaws was PG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jaws came out at PG. What, was it, it like, was 78 or something? Suggested. Yeah, yeah. Parental guidance suggested. 75 was Jaws. Oh, 75.
1: Okay, even older. Yeah, we own that yeah. know, somewhere around the house um but so there we go so gremlins uh for horror uh
0: such an awesome movie man it's so much fun that movie it is it's fun Uh, were you
1: scared of these gremlins when you were younger
0: no and and like here's why and i think i've mentioned this on my show a few times but if you haven't listened to my show you wouldn't know this um we did a whole show on nostalgia and one of the things that you that like is something for for me and Pete's generation that kids today will never understand is if you had HBO, if you had movie channels, or if you just had regular channels. You VHSs were expensive. You couldn't just go out and like buy you know new VHS movies all the time. They were they were pretty expensive. Sometimes up to fifty, sixty dollars depending on how much reel was in there. So what was pretty cheap was buying recordable VHSs and then putting them in recording things so my dad used to record movies from HBO and Ghostbusters was on one of those VHSs and then right after it was Gremlins Mm -hmm. so literally to this day I can't watch Ghostbusters on Blu-ray without immediately taking out after it ends and putting in Gremlins yeah so like it, I, I kind of, like, had this, like, setup where, like, I laughed and I loved Ghostbusters. So by the time I got to, like, Gremlins, like, I wasn't really, like, in a mind frame to, like, be afraid. I just had fun with mm-hmm. it. Um, there, there's a few scenes that are, like, really disturbing. Um, uh for some reason, the gremlin flashing Phoebe Cates stands out to me,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and the gremlin being put into the um, the blender, being put into the microwave, oh, the microwave. Yeah, 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 the blender and the microwave. Uh, but I think like the scene that like really sells this as a horror movie is kind of like that last scene in the in the toy in the department store where like the gremlin's running around with like he's got a chainsaw, man. He's throwing saw blades at people. Uh, Stripe was his name, but. Um, that scene, like that scene, kind of got a little scary for me at that point because, like, I th- I, I kind of felt like there was like real danger at that point where the Gremlins were kind of like these creepy little creatures. Towards the end, like you know, Stripe
1: became the real menace. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember if I like two better than one. I think I like one better because two just got silly. Extre- two is all camp. You know, extremely it's silly. All camp. When they got the. Now, did they introduce the female one in one or just part two? Yes, in one, she is
0: actually sitting around the poker table and kind of just like making googly eyes at one of the other gremlins. Uh, so she there there is a female gremlin in one, but it's definitely not as prominent and certainly not as creepy as it is in Gremlins Two: The
1: New Batch. Yep. Um, man, man, you got a great memory because uh, I I can barely remember two, but I I, I feel I feel like wasn't uh, John Glover in Gremlins Two. Because I feel like he played a very similar character also in Scrooged.
0: Yes. So was Christopher Lee was also in Gremlins 2, the new batch. He played the evil scientist who worked up on, on the, like, the, the TV the, show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was – no, you know, you're thinking of um, the grandfather from the Munsters uh, – he was, he did the TV show. He was like the Count Dracula oh, okay. type character did a TV show. But Christopher Lee, Count Dooku, played like an evil scientist who worked at like a genetics lab and he had like two creepy assistants who were identical twins or one was a clone of the other. But they worked in, like, this Genesis lab. And that is the lab where all the gremlins go into and they drink the vials to become, like, these mutated batches. So that's where you get, like, the bat gremlin. Mm, you get the, all right, the gremlin right. that is is sprouting tomatoes and other uh, various vegetables and fruits out of his face and body. Um, you get the one that turns into electricity. You get the spider one that eventually leads Gizmo into turning into Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and burning in the hallway. uh, Yeah, the, the new batch is just all camp. I mean, they even have sort of like this intermission where they break the fourth right. wall and the Gremlins destroy the projector and Hulk Hogan stands up and rips his <laughs> shirt. <laughs> For all the Hulkamaniacs, you're going to put Gremlins 2 back on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... that's What what year was Gremlins 2? Wasn't that 89? 90. 90, okay. Just a year away. But... um. Man, I kind of want to watch part 2 now all of a sudden.
0: I got them both on a double Blu-ray. Yep. yep. I've seen that at the Target. <laughs> it, it's worth it. It's worth it. I think I think I got it at Walmart in like the 7.99 Blu-ray bin and I, I don't hate that purchase. No buyers regret that. Oh yeah.
1: I, yeah, I think it's like 7.50 at at uh, Target on Blu-ray as well. So, all right. Uh so uh, let's see. So I started with No, you started with horror, so that goes back to me for best comedy. Um, That's This right. one was tough, man, because I already named some of the comedies, but this was a pretty good year for comedies, and so this is what you're waiting for, but I went with Tom Hanks in The Bachelor Party. That's a fucking
0: raunchy-ass film, man. Pretty raunchy for the early 80s, even. I mean, you, you did have Porky's
1: and some others before it. I think it, Meatballs 2 but- also came out that year um yeah not a movie i remember but bits and pieces but um didn't meatballs 2 have an alien i've only seen it
0: once but like, isn't there like a weird alien in meatballs 2? i feel like you're right
1: uh one of yeah. those that was on like gilbert goffrey's up all night or something on usa probably
0: i feel bachelor party makes it for shock and awe value uh, yeah <laughs> does
1: not that, that movie end with a donkey show uh I feel like that's uh Zach and Miri makes a borno. Now, no no you, You're too. thinking of Clerks okay. too, when 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 he says like come on,
0: we're gonna do the thing we've always said we were gonna do, like in Bachelor Party, we're gonna bring a little bit of T J to South Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> what
1: a great memory you got. Um Yeah, so man, there's another movie I really wanted to use here, but I used elsewhere. But yeah, Bachelor Party. Now is that something that you're familiar with? Like uh is is this something that you enjoy? I've seen it once. Okay, just the once. Like,
0: I I've seen it once. It's not like a memorable comedy to me. But I mean, it is that thing like when people talk about Tom Hanks, they're like, Hey man, remember Bachelor Party? It was like kind of like one of the first things Tom Hanks like really did that like kind of got him like a little bit of exposure. Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. You could have uh, used so it for breakout. Got... <laughs> I could add. I could add, yeah. Uh, so what I have, and I'm gonna be honest, like, um I think you beat me for horror. I think Gremlins okay. is more memorable than Stephen King's. I got you beat for comedy, though, man. I bet major, I bet. major fucking league. Oh yeah, Love Charlie it. Sheen, Tom Berenger. Oh man, there's like so many memorable scenes in this. Is my favorite scene, Wesley Snipes, is uh, uh, get in front of the ball, Doran. No more of this ole bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and then every time he he fails to stop a ground ball, he's supposed to do fifty push-ups. So he comes back to to the coach and he says, "Hey, it's right here in my contract. I don't have to do any unnecessary uh, any calisthenics that I deem unnecessary." And the coach takes the contract, throws it on the ground, and pisses on it in the middle of the field. And then, like when you're watching that movie, like it's funny. It's really funny. It's even more funny if you watch it as an adult and you realize this is a professional fucking baseball team and this, right. <laughs> this is how they act. It's, it's so much fun. I, I absolutely love that movie. The Countdown Pod had it on uh, – I think Paul put it as his number one sports film, which is – amazing i i this film is so fucking funny to me and it's one of those things that like it's funny when you're a kid it's even more funny as you're an adult and you get sort of like these little nuanced jokes that are in there so major league i just fucking love it
1: oh yeah you you absolutely massacred um bachelor party i mean come on that movie uh i have reviewed uh matter of fact uh, i reviewed it when the show was still called hydrate level four and i had my um who is now my co host on We Got Five. Uh, he was the guest on that because that's one of his favorite movies and he joined me for Major League One and Two. And that's the first time we've ever worked together. That's and awesome. so yeah, before we even decided that we'd, you know, become co hosts on a on a separate show. So um so I have covered that. It's a great movie. Great quotables. I mean, and the uh, announcer. Oh my god, he's Euchre. Dro- <laughs> I mean, come on. And he's a
0: real. He was a real baseball announcer, like in yeah. real life. Uh, right. But I love the fact that that
1: <laughs> just one a of the little things- bit outside, right? Yeah. Isn't that one of the <laughs> ball
0: four, ball eight, ball sixteen? <laughs> and the the fans, the Indian fans. It's like it's not going to get out. It's too high. It's too high. The fuck does that mean? Too high. It's too high. <laughs> There's just so many quotable things for that movie. But yeah, uh Bob Yooker, I think you're right with his name. Uh he's just he's drinking Jack Daniels the entire movie, and he just gets absolutely wrecked during the games. And my favorite part is when he he turns to like his little co-host guy and he's like, Benny, and then he covers up his microphone and he goes, Less is more. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Something you got to do to me. If you could mute my mic, I'm sure you would.
1: <laughs> no, you're bringing it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a man of few words here. I mean, you got a great memory, and you're uh, kind of painting a, a really good picture for, for a lot of these, even for the ones that I don't have too much to say with. Um, even, like, movies that, uh, you know, I, not so fresh in my memory. Uh, maybe not so fresh in yours. You just got a better memory than I do. Um, man, yeah, you definitely uh, take comedy there. So the next one we got is... Best action. And wait, who started with comedy? You did. You had Bachelor okay. Party. So Okay, so uh, back to you.
0: Best action. So many films from 89 I could have put in this. I've already listed Tango and Cash. I've already listed Indiana Jones. You know they're out. They can't be in this. But my – and I think this, this holds true. And I hope Nick from Epic Film Guys is listening to this. And I'm sure he will. Lethal Weapon 2, man nice. It came out in 89 just 2 years after the original one. Recaptures everything the original one did. I think it does the buddy comedy a little bit better and it really ramps up the action. There is no big Riggs fight scene in it, but what they what they really, you know, lost with like that Riggs fight scene, they really make up for in the gunfights, in the car chases. Um And and in the point where Riggs, you know, goes goes half cocked after his girlfriend dies or the woman he slept with once dies, and he goes and he ties his truck off to the to the uh to the pylons that are holding that house onto the cliff, and he just fucking yanks the house down, and the whole house comes crumbling down, dude. As far as action films go, like this hits all your all your points man it makes you laugh um it has it has such great action and it's got two actually three characters because this is the movie where they added joe pesci as leo gets whatever you want leo gets uh into the into the mix and it just gives you these three characters who just all play off each other so well and it has one of the best action movie one-liners in it when uh Murtal is pointing the gun at the at the uh South African, you know, diplomat. And he goes, diplomatic immunity. And then fucking Murtal does his head roll thing, cracks his neck, shoots him right between the eyes and gives him, just been revoked.
1: <laughs> it's a great line. You know, I mean, that franchise in itself is like one of the greatest action franchises like ever. It really is. You know? I'm,
0: I'm glad. I wish they had stopped at three because three is where it starts falling off a little bit. And four is kind of pretty bad like it's kind of awful they added Chris Rock which adds a lot of comedy to it but right. the action in that one was off because Mel Gibson was actually injured he injured his shoulder and his back like early in the filming so most of his fight scenes are actually done by stunt doubles and it's so obvious when you watch it if you haven't watched *Lethal mm. Weapon* four in a while go back and watch it and most of the rig scenes are actually done by another person um, the only time it's actually Mel Gibson is when they're filming him from the front. So right. uh, I think that one loses a lot and I'm glad they never came back for a fifth or a six. Cause I just felt like one and two are so perfect. Those are the two that were written by Shane black. Shane black was not involved in three and he wasn't involved in four. Um, And I think four is just really where it falls off. And you realize that like, eh, it was a great action franchise. It had a great run. I'm glad I got to say goodbye, but it's one of those friendships you you don't mind seeing go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I you know, I don't mind uh, I don't remember minding minding uh Part 4 very much, but it could be, you know, for the culture. You know, Jet Li was also in that movie. Had some now, great
0: Jet Li scenes. Absolutely.
1: Great Jet, you know, the first time he was uh, pretty much introduced to the American audience and I I'm trying to think I think I've seen like one and two like a couple times. Uh, three, not so much. Four, I felt like I've seen it like once uh, in whole and then like a bunch of times on TV. I do own the four C, uh, DVD set. And when I first bought it, that's when I binged all of it and got to see them all. Um you know, and I, I do like the continuity uh, you know, in, in every movie too. Like the, the there's that psychiatrist doctor. Psychiatrist that's yes. the same thing. Yeah, the yes. psychiatrist, she's in every single one. And yep. there's they, yeah, so they add her and, and Riggs, those, always those always fucks, nice. Riggs
0: always fucks Riggs always fucks with her. Always fucks with her. Um just don't watch the T V show. I mean that's that's my own. Oh, if, no. if I didn't you, even give it a shot. If you love Lethal Weapon, if you love Lethal Weapon one, you love Lethal Weapon Two. Just ignore the TV show. My my wife loves it. But she started watching that before she watched the movies. And she wasn't too impressed by the movies. She's not someone who watches movies the way I do. She didn't grow up on movies like I did. Um, so when I show her some older movies, sometimes she's like, this is really cheesy. And I'm like, it's great. And she goes, what's up with the jazz music? I'm like, the jazz music is one of the best parts of Lethal Weapon. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Every time he says, I'm too old for this
1: shit, you got to have the jazz riff. Wah! Yeah, I mean, it, it goes with it, you know, it's it's one of those uh, musical cues, you know, it's, it's just something they, they did. And, um, you know, you don't even have to say that, you know, you could just give a look, you know, and then play that and then you get it right away. Exactly. But it just makes sense. Exactly. It was, so, it was
0: an audio cue to go along with your visual cue and you didn't need dialogue at times. It was, it was kind of like a full, like, kind of like a full movie experience that we kind of don't get anymore. I mean, we get it in trailers now, like we get music complementing, you know, uh, action in trailers, but we don't get, you know, we don't get like that, that, that like kind of like full package anymore. We don't get like, I don't know. I just feel like movies now are so different than movies then. And when I get a movie that now that kind of resonates what came in the eighties, I get really excited. I, I, really dug nice guys. And that's a oh, yeah. film that's written by Shane black. That is, it takes place in the seventies. But if you saw that movie in 1984 or 1989, you would have dug it. And yeah. I, I still think movies like that have their place and they're kind of like making a bit of a comeback these days. Like, I think people want to kind of go back and like, just remember that like movies can be simple and fun and still surprising
1: absolutely i was actually gonna reference that very movie too like it can still be done um yeah i i I like that a lot um i i do like the 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 whole i'm getting too old for this shit even carries on into 1994's maverick uh you know where they kind of encounter each other mel gibson and and, uh danny Glover. yeah yeah. so a movie my son and i uh, reviewed uh, a while back so if anyone's interested check that one out so my action movie this was debatable um You know, it could be comedy or action. Um, I think most people would probably call it a comedy. But I have this as uh, action for the same reason. Well, not the same reason, but a very similar reason as to why you have um, Lethal Weapon 2 for action. So it's a a cop movie. And it's Beverly Hills Cop, which was the highest grossing movie of 1984 at number one. So It ain't wrong. Yeah. One of uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, first movies. Uh, I, I had to go look, look in here because I wanted to be sure. But, you know, he also had previs- previously done Trading Places, which, you know, was a, um, a very good movie, but not to the level of Beverly Hills Cop. So this movie could have gone in a lot of these categories. And I just chose it for action.
0: It could have went for soundtrack.
1: Uh, not, not against Footloose. <laughs> yep. And Shakedown. Wait, actually Shakedown <laughs> might have came in the sequel, I feel.
0: Uh I so I'm not as familiar with the Beverly Hill Cops movies. Um, but I've seen one a bunch of times. Didn't see two that many, that many times. I've seen three the most, and actually I hate three the most also. Like I despise Beverly Hills Cop three.
1: I don't even remember three, to be honest with you.
0: Oh, Beverly Hills Cop 1 is, is great. I mean, he's a cop from Detroit who you know, visits Beverly Hills, Yeah, I guess, once every three to four years <laughs> and makes a film.
1: Yeah. So I am interested to see if they're still going to carry on like uh, a- another sequel with his son. So we'll see. Uh, so what you got for drama? I think it goes back to you now for best drama. Didn't I go first for action? You probably did. So yeah. what I have for drama uh is a movie I have not seen, but again, uh one of those that got nominated for all types of things. It's a period movie and it's Amadeus. This film was nominated for fifty three awards, received forty. Fucking um, shit, man. Jesus yeah. Christ. It included uh, eight Academy <laughs> Awards. I don't Best think Mayan, I don't think Mayan <laughs> won any
0: fucking awards. <laughs>
1: I would say this is a very dramatic movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, did
0: you did you just pull your fat cock out and slap it on a table? (laughs) Hey
1: man, I've been losing a lot of these categories. I had to hit it somewhere.
0: (laughs) You win this category. I have a decent movie. I have a good movie, but I mean, Amadeus. Have you seen it?
1: Uh, I saw bits and pieces.
0: Okay, I've never seen bits and pieces. I've heard people tout it as like like the pillar of like academy movies like in the 90s and in the 80s like it is just like up there as like one of the greatest films every time someone says amadeus of course i think of the song "Amadeus." Yes, amadeus
1: that and the the uh the tech nine remix yes but you know before um... or the
0: simpsons remake dr Zeus, dr Zeus, Doctor Zeus. i don't they... even know what that is oh it's uh you know, doctor Zayas is the orangutan doctor from the original uh, Planet of the Apes.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, and, okay. Right, and, right.
0: And the the resident actor of uh, of Springfield, Troy McClure, does a a musical version of Planet of the Apes live uh, in Springfield, and they do a song called Doctor Zayas.
1: Rock me, Doctor Zayas. <laughs> so, actually, no. What I was thinking was um, Amadeus. I'm pretty sure I've never seen. I am familiar with it. Uh, Pre-97, I feel like I always mistook this with Amistad, because they both start with an A, and they're both epic movies. Keep us, um, us free! Yeah, clearly <laughs> completely different movies, but I've seen Amistad, uh, but I definitely want to check out Amadeus, uh, especially after having seen that he got nominated for 58 uh, um, awards. And one forty. That's that's like a, yeah, one forty. Yeah, it's a fucking eighty. That's
0: a fucking eighty percent clearance in its award streak. That's amazing. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Uh, my best drama does not have that type of award fat cock to it. Um, <laughs> it's got a lot of heart though, because I mean, if you build it, they it will, will come. come. Nice. I got Field of Dreams, man. Kevin Costner is like this huge baseball fan, man. Like right, like Bull Durham. This and my favorite baseball movie. I love Major League. Don't get me wrong, Major League is a fantastic comedy, but the best baseball movie is For Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, where he's the pitcher and he's Mm -hmm. pitching his his final game, his perfect game. And he's reliving kind of, like, the past couple years of his life and, like, all of his trials and tribulations. It's a really well-done baseball movie. Uh, I just had to fit that in there because that is – Kevin Costner – when you think of baseball movies, like, I think of Kevin Costner. Um, And Field of Dreams is just one of those films, man, where, like – it does hit like a lot of like heartstrings, um, especially the moment where he meets his father, uh, his father's ghost comes up to him. Uh, and that scene is just it's just really powerful. Uh, so that's why it made my best dramatic uh, film. It, it doesn't hold a candle to uh, to Amadeus, uh, you know. No, awards not that, wise. I mean awards yeah. right. Right. Not not awards wise and maybe not even like thematically and maybe not even like critically. But like for me, just like that thing, I I mean some people would say like I have a dad complex. I'm sure I'm sure I do. My dad shaped my life in so many ways that like I think I'm only realizing now as an adult. Um and so like that scene where like he meets his dad is kinda like it's kinda like a big deal. Uh mm-hmm. and it's also like a big deal. He meets like all these other baseball legends that, that 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 are there too. It's uh it's just it's just a
1: fantastic film.
0: Uh that's why I made mine. But I mean you win hands down for drama with Amadeus. Yeah,
1: <laughs> only because of the awards. I right. feel like if you put these two movies out there, most people are gonna be like, you know what, I'm gonna watch Field of Dreams.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's like Uh, if you go back and you listen to me and Jay talking about the Academy Awards and even like our lead up to the Academy Awards I bitch about the Academy Awards a lot man because I feel like the Academy Awards I think that's why I like the fact that you said the top 30 grossing Mm -hmm. because grossing means people fucking liked it people went out there and saw it man if you did the top 30 grossing films of 2016 yeah La La Land would probably be in there but would it be in the top 10? no you know like I don't think I don't think the academy Awards like really you know show like what people enjoy about films it shows what critics enjoy about films it shows what people who make films enjoy about film but it doesn't right. show what people who enjoy film you know enjoy about film and that's that's my big knock on like awards things man it's just like Every movie kind of seems the same. They're all kind of down. They all have, like, this big dramatic, you know, focal point. They all have big melodramatic scenes, uh, you know, where it's just an actor talking and stuff like that. That's well and good. But give me Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So I went first for best drama. So. Uh um, so back to you for Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Oh. I went second for best drama. So right. I go to breakthrough performance, and I've been waiting to get That's to right. this one because I feel like this is like my fat cock hitting the table. This okay. is this is uh this is one that no one's gonna see coming, but when I say it, you're gonna have that aha moment. The movie is Uncle Buck, and the actor is Macaulay Culkin. Okay. This is like his first movie, man. This is the kid. Yeah, you're right. This is the kid that literally made that that literally, you know, was in that film that made it so successful that it was the number 1 box office hit for like 10 years. Home. Like he was in Home Alone, and he is the reason that Home Alone was so successful, and John Hughes, which Uncle Buck is also John Hughes, and, right. and John Candy is fantastic, but Macaulay Culkin, this is like his first time like on screen, and the first like introduction you really get to him, the first time you actually hear him talk more than like a couple sentences is when he sits down with uh, John Candy, and they kind of play like 20 questions. How many questions are you going to ask? 32. like it's they have like this beautiful back and forth with each other and i fucking love that scene and like the two kids um him and like his his sister they kind of act as like this greek choir in in the film where like they kind of just say what the audience is thinking and they kind of like they're kind of like these two quirky characters because the story is really about john candy and the oldest daughter coming to like these terms and he helps her kind of like grow but like you have these two like greek choir kids who are just kind of there and they always state the obvious man like they always you know say what someone should be doing instead of doing what they're doing so they kind of like these two kids are kind of like coaching the adults into into acting like adults and that's one of the things i love about it and macaulay culkin was just so perfect in it uh he's he he was the perfect child actor i mean say what you want about him now but he was the perfect child actor and this was a breakthrough performance for him in 1989 you know just before doing home alone the following year
1: yeah i mean yeah his name alone uh after being in home alone you're right it made people want to go out and watch this guy they put him in the good sun and people want to go watch that
0: yeah uh I feel like he kept Ted Danson's career afloat a little bit longer because he was yeah. in getting even with dad, except he, right. was, he was just a little <laughs> too old at that time just, for just people to be bit. like, he's too, he's so cute. Yeah, it's like, yeah, hey, he's 13. Yeah, not so much his, anymore. His voice is cracking. Can we get rid of him? What's his brother doing? <laughs> <What>? Right. Where's <laughs> Rory? Where's Rory and Kieran? Can we get them back right. in here?
1: <laughs> How old is Kieran? Five? Okay, well, hmm. <laughs> too young. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Um, I like that a lot. Uncle Buck's a very good movie. I mean, obviously, because they try to – is it out yet? I don't know if it's out yet, but they were going to make Mike Epps, the new Uncle Buck, and make that a TV show? That's out. Yeah, that's a thing. It is out. Uh, I,
0: yeah. I, I I have this big thing where, like, when you're trying to take something I loved as a film and make it into a TV show, I don't do it. Because what you love about that film fits into its runtime it's so difficult to stretch it out across like an entire season, and then seasons, and then I, I just, I just don't think it can be recreated in that forum. Sometimes you can recreate a TV show in a film forum, but I don't think you can recreate a film into a TV version, and I, I think they always do it poorly.
1: Uh, not always, actually. Uh, I'm very high on the frequency TV show, uh, which is now available on. Um, on Netflix and I did solo uh, takes on each of the episodes over at TV in my brain I thought I, I had the same thing I was just like how are they gonna make this movie into a TV show and I thought they did it very well they obviously made a lot of changes and uh, made it work for me uh, as a viewer um still no word if the, there was a season two I, I think it was such a sleeper like it's it's good like in my opinion I think it was a very good show. But I think it just didn't get a lot of love um, that it deserves, really. And unfortunately, it may not return, but I'm still kind of holding on to it. I didn't watch it, not for lack of quality, not
0: because I thought it was a bad show. I just have so much on my plate. And it yeah. Frequ- Frequency is a good movie, but it's not anything that like really drew me to it. And right. you're the first person to tell
1: me, like, go see it. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad TV show. It just means people aren't watching it. That's exactly it. I mean, the, and the numbers kind of proved it. Like, they were respectable numbers, but it's not, it's not anything that was like, okay, this, it's a no-brainer to renew this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets canceled, but they're at this time. It's kind of weird. Yeah, no word yet. So they're probably hoping that with Netflix, um, you know, that people are going to tune in, but I am still, you know, people are still like, uh, uh, not periodically, but every now and again, I still, I'm still getting, you know, some likes on my Instagram, you know, for my, um, for my post a frequency matter of fact one of the actors liked it too uh and the, the cast themselves were very interactive on twitter so i respect them for that they were really trying to get this get this show out that's awesome when you see actors like believe in the thing that they're doing that's awesome yeah because like they could easily
0: ignore twitter they could easily ignore fans Most do <laughs> most, most do. <laughs> do yeah but like if you believe in something and when people like reach out to you to say that you love it and you reach back out to them and say like, "Thank you." Like that's that's awesome. I love that.
1: Yeah, I just wish the uh, the, the person that I've been interacting with from the show that we cover was a little bit more communicative. <laughs> someday up man. and down with this person. Well, we'll see. We'll see. someday we'll get Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, yeah. That's exactly who I was talking about. Uh, all right, so my breakthrough performance. Um, I don't know. My I, I like this one a lot actually, and not people will even. Think of this as being his uh, first performance, but it's Tom Hanks and Splash. This is actually one of his very first big movies. He was in a TV movie, so I didn't count that, but this is actually his first movie uh, coming off of, like Bosom Buddies and all of those other stuff. Well, fuck you. You win.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if so. you look at the history of Tom Hanks' career, if you say this is his breakout performance, it is. Uh, and if you say, like, who had the better career, him or Macaulay Culkin? You win. I thought yeah. I had a fat cock. <laughs> uh, apparently,
1: you have just a w- tiny bit fatter one. Uh, so that's that's uh, too that's straight. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like The Splash was one of my first H- uh, Tom Hanks movies. And then I saw him in Dragnet with um, Dan Aykroyd. Same thing. And I I, I wish that he kind of did more stuff like this. You know, Turnin' Hooch, I feel like I have seen that when I was a, uh, a kid. But I don't remember it much at all. Um. Hey, hey. I I will get the Turner and Hooch.
0: You leave it out of your mouth.
1: Oh, okay. Hey, well, you you already called some of my movies, so it's only fair. <laughs> That's true. But but uh, you know, um, I, I guess they're making a remake with Channing Tatum or some shit. So I don't know. We'll we'll see if that happens. What remake is Channing Tatum not doing? Yeah, good, fair point. I mean, he, uh, I hope twenty twenty six Jump Street will come out eventually. I mean, they teased us with like what going all the way up into the thirties in that last installment. Yeah,
0: and Gambit. I mean, when's when's Gambit coming out? You know, yeah, uh, that's he, not coming out apparently. But in in the uh, in the remake of Splash. He's not playing Tom Hanks' character. He's playing, he's playing, he's a merman pop. Oh, I know that. Merman. Uh, That I know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That that I I, I have heard. It kind of Uh, makes me a little bit more interested just to see
0: it for that. But if it's anything like chips, like chips is something that came out recently that tried to like recapture what people loved about like chips in the 70s and the 80s. I'm just not sure if some of this stuff can be recaptured again because it happened at a time and it happened, you know in a place and it happened like it's just so hard to like capture lightning in a bottle and splash is like one of those films that like people remember like people still talk about splash today like um
1: it's a rob reiner film isn't it let me see here. I, I actually I do have it up. It is uh, Ron Howard actually. Ron Howard. So I mean, yeah. still Rob Reiner. Actually, if you say
0: Ron Howard, that's better than saying Rob Reiner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, and this. I mean, this movie had Eugene Levy and John Candy. Like you gotta have a really good casting for like the remake to work. Right. And then he did another great movie with John Candy right after this, Joe
0: versus the volcano. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's, that's right. It's uh yeah I mean you win yeah Tom Hanks breakout performance splash I mean awesome Tom Hanks fucking ruled the eighties and then like he like knocked it out of the park in the fucking nineties with uh Forrest Gump and you can go back and watch you can watch Forrest Gump today and be like oh man this movie you know it's cheesy it's blah blah blah. It's it's only because you're oversaturated on it. Force Gump is a good fucking movie. Go you know yeah.
1: shut up. It's a good movie. I agree movie. with you. I agree with you. Um, I mean now, uh gosh, what was I gonna say? Oh, I, I did consider putting Eddie Murphy here, uh for for Beverly Hills Cop for a breakthrough. Again, you know, like um, I guess it depends who you ask. You know, they may say like, "No, it was Trading Places." You know, because that came before. I would say um, Trading Places. Yeah, um, see, and that's why I left it off.
0: But didn't Forty Eight Hours come out
1: before it Beverly Hills Cop? Was Was that? A, I mean, that was I know a big that, that was existed. a big movie. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Forty
0: Eight Hours and another Forty Eight Hours were big Eddie Murphy movies. But I would say Trading Places is probably like his big breakout. I mean, that's kind of like two generations of SNL coming together. Like Dan Aykroyd, right was the generation just before Eddie Murphy so like yeah I would say like that's like almost like a passing of the torch so I would say like Trading Places is Eddie Murphy's breakout role no I think you picked a perfect breakout role man I think Tom Hanks 100% fits the bill
1: yeah because Beverly Hills Cop was his third movie you know you're, you're uh Forty-eight hours was the first, and then Trading Places. So, what right. a
0: year from hit for for Eddie Murphy though! Like he goes from playing buttwheat <laughs> on SNL <laughs> <Right>. to, <laughs> to Trading Places, uh, Forty-eight Hours, and Beverly Hills Cop in like the fucking same year.
1: I mean, Mister Robinson, right? Didn't he play that character too?
0: Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, but I think I as much as Eddie Murphy did in '84. I, I think if you look at the career of Tom Hanks, you just say like if '84 was where he got his start in
1: film, that's breakout, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So there we go. All right, so uh, I guess I go back to uh, best villain. Uh, so this one was tough because the movie itself, I, I I had it at like three other categories, and I think I think I'm happy where I have it. Um, but I went with Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, that came out in 1984. Cold. So, Just yeah.
0: cold. Like, I mean, that's his performance.
1: Cold. Yeah. You 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 brought it up earlier. Uh, you weren't sure, but yep, it came out in 84. Um, you know, it could have been a horror movie. It could have been special effects. It could have been director. But uh, The Terminator, man, the, you, you this guy was cold, like you said. It made people believe that he was real. And uh, obviously, he must have been good enough because, like, uh, very little was known about his character in the sequel that people still thought he was a bad guy. So Yeah. Your clothes, give them to iconic. me. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Bill Paxson also in that scene. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I mean, just one of his most iconic roles ever. Yeah, know, it, right? it really I, I is. Think, it, it, yeah.
0: You could argue that like Conan put him on the map um, and other things, but I think this was like the first like real big blockbuster like that he did like hooking up with James Cameron and being in the Terminator films just kind of like it's not like what launched his career but I I would say it elevated it you know it kind of gave him like this little bit of of like breathing room where he could go do like other things like I feel like if he just did Conan he just played like this big muscle bound guy who swung a sword you might not have seen him much past the 80s but because he did Terminator he was able to come back for Terminator Two, and I, I feel like you got him as like this great action star that he became.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for so sure. You, you could have
0: put him in for a breakout performance.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I was just thinking about that too when you talked about it, and I feel the Running Man might have came out the same year, but
0: y- yeah, yeah, the Running Man would probably be like uh, that, and I think like um, even total recall could put you could put him in for breakout performance but i think the terminator mm. is 100% a hundred percent a good villain um but he doesn't bring much to the table other than something for people to run from and the reason why i'm kind of taking it down a few pegs is because i feel like my villain beats yours
1: no i mean you're probably right i mean what we'll see but but you're right i mean um he's slow Right, he he doesn't run. He's a T eight hundred, which is which is you know a little bit more. Well, they're obsolete now, right? You got the T one thousand TX. If you even want to call that, but uh, but you're kind of right. It's it you know on surface, you know in human form, nothing to be scared of, but is just a violent villain is all it really is.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a movie that's about uh. That's about Sarah Connor finding herself and becoming the, the, you know, the warrior and the heroine that she is um, and accepting what her destiny is. And he's just kind of like the vehicle that takes her there, um, which is what a good villain should be. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's what a good villain mm-hmm. should do. It should force your 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 protagonist to.
1: Oh, man. I, th- I, th- I think I know what your villain is. God damn it. Okay. All right. Do you want me to ask you the question? Oh, what's that? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale yes, moonlight? Yeah, see, see, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I was sitting here just thinking. I was like, "What? What came out of *Navy again?" I was like, "Oh, damn it, he hasn't said Batman yet." So. Anton's getting a little hot under the
0: collar. <laughs> 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 no, uh, <laughs> mine's mine's the Joker. <laughs> it's, Jack Nicholson's the Joker, man. I mean, he fucking. Like, made like he is the reason this film like became so big when people found right. out that Jack Nicholson was going to be in this shit. Like, people went nuts, and it's the it's one of the reasons that this film did so well, along with Tim Burton's direction. But him as the Joker, uh, you can say what you want about the 89 Batman. I know there's people who don't like it when once they started seeing the Batman begins and the Dark Knight, but. Fuck that, dude. Like, don't get me wrong. Heath Ledger's Joker is great. He's great as a different type of Joker. Uh, what What Jack Nicholson brought to the table was like this darker version of Caesar Romero's Joker. Like he kind of melded what the Joker was post eighty six with Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns and with um Alan Moore's. The killing joke, and he kinda like took it on his own and like made his own Joker that was extremely creepy, extremely fun, and you know, really really pushed his protagonist forward, you know, Batman. Um and I don't think Michael Keaton's performance could have been as as well received as it was if you didn't have like I don't think this movie would would have been as well received as it was if you didn't have jack nicholson as the joker and i already did one of the one of the best lines hubba 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 money 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 who are you gonna trust Mm -hmm. uh it's just such a fantastic film i fucking love this movie hello benny it's your uncle bingo
1: it's man that's a great choice you know you put them in the same movie joker's gonna find a way to destroy the terminator
0: Oh, absolutely! Um, it's going to be in a funny way too. It's going to be right. in, with like a bomb down the pants that somehow like de- he would put like an EMP in his pants and just take the take the Terminator out and then repurpose him as some clown faced
1: robot who's hell bent on killing Batman. <laughs> That's a good one. So now uh, this goes back to you for best director.
0: I, I think I'm going to win this because I feel like you can't argue it. Okay. I'm I'm using your hydrate level four love against you. <laughs> Bob Zemeckis, Back to
1: the Future 2. All right. I knew it was going to be in there.
0: It, it had to be. It could have gone in sequel. It, it it could have gone in several other places. I mean, it special could have effects. gone... Special effects. Special effects. It really could have been in several categories. But I could have also put Steven Spielberg in here for Last Crusade. But uh, I, I feel like... As far as Last Crusade goes, it is a really, really fun movie, and it's the it's it's really the best uh, Indiana Jones, but that doesn't mean it's the best directed Indiana Jones. I don't think it's the best directed. The reason I put Bob Zemeckis here is because he filmed Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3 literally back-to-back back at the mm-hmm. same time, and it's the first time that's ever been done. It's kind of like the first time that any director ever – took on such a task Uh, and the level of crafting that he put into into finalizing this trilogy that he didn't know was going to be a trilogy until he got asked to do more um, is amazing. And uh, I just, I just love that about it. And I know people say like back to the future two and back to the future three, not as good as back to the future one. And I feel like they're not as well written but i i feel like they're they're better directed like he steered that ship into a, such a fantastic way um and i i just absolutely love back to the future too because everyone knows that
1: you can't fly your hoverboard over water without power <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right um that's a great one obviously i can't argue there uh though in my what i say is it's one big saga you know, it's it's because uh, it's a continuous movie. Also, in part two, it's the first time we ever seen somebody revisit the previous movie from a different angle. You know, so they did that there. Um,
0: that's true, and I, I that's actually one of my favorite scenes, man. I, I, I absolutely love that. I love, I love seeing, I love seeing time changing. Like, I love the fact that like time changes. Like, there's consequences to them going back. I love it.
1: Mhm. And also um uh what's great about that? Oh, I lost my train of thought already. Obviously there's a lot of great things about it. I think one of the um, the things that people often say why 2 may be one of the weaker ones is the fact that he was also working on one of your movies that you recently uh, done with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's right. That's yeah. where most of his yeah, focus was on. So that might have been it. Uh, again, this is the movie that I was teasing uh, earlier uh, in our episode here where some people love part two the most. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I love part one the most probably because I watch it more than I do the other ones. But I love them all equally. Uh, again, it's just one big movie.
0: Like I said, I think part one of Back to the Future is the most well-rounded film. It might even be like one of the most well-rounded films ever made. It 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 is so perfectly written like that script is so perfect and the the timing the pacing the editing all of it is so perfect but i think like when you think about what a director does when you think about like all the plates that they're spinning at once he really started spinning more plates with back to the future two leading into back to the future three and, yeah, I, I did recently just do an episode, our Super Movie Brothers episode 38, where me and Jay do Roger Rabbit live from Broken Goblet. People can play trivia along with us. That is a fantastic, like, marvel of direction. Um, And he actually implemented something in that film that holds true today called um, – uh, called swinging the lamp that's still used at disney animation today so if you want to know more about that go listen to our episode but I, I still think he 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 came with his a game to to back to the future two. and i think it's it's there um i think people just allow like maybe the a weaker script than back to the future one get in its way but if you mm-hmm. watch everything that goes on in that film if you look at the at at the special effects that had to go into it. If you look at the acting, if you look at the story that had to be crafted, because they had to write that film with not only back to the future two in mind, what they're leading into. And because they do that, that, that crossover where they go back and look at themselves in a past scene they had to have three films in mind for Back to the Future 2, where they didn't have to really do that as much in Back to the Future 3 and Back to the Future 1, but they had to do that in Back to the Future 2. Bob Zimacus was spinning all those plates at once. It's pretty yep. amazing.
1: And we'd re- be remiss if we didn't mention how they predicted quite a bit of things in a two-year span here, 2015 and sixteen. The cubbies winning the fucking World Series, baby. They sure did. <laughs> they sure did. You know, we got the hoverboards, which none of them really hover uh, at all. But, Such hey. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love yeah. the
0: story that, like, kids at, like, Bob Zemeckis jokingly said that, like, no, they exist. Like, your parents just won't let you have them. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> kids yep. believed it. I got the two-wheel <laughs> hoverboard right here in the
1: storage room with me. But, um, yeah, it's a great one. Uh, so the one that I went with is one that you kind of been waiting for. But I went with Temple of Doom here for Best Director with – um. Steven Spielberg so kind of the same vein you know they uh, Spielberg and Zemeckis both worked uh, together on back to the future as well and um, yeah I wanted to put it on sequel and prequel but I was like what about director and I wanted James Cameron, but then I was like, okay, where would I put Villain? So it's just one of those things that kept us shuffling around. And so I got uh, Temple of Doom here, I think most people saw. So this is the one where I feel the consensus is one of the weaker ones. Totally not wrong if you think this is the best one of the uh, the trilogy, is what we'll call it, the uh, Indiana Jones here. So, um, and also yeah. short, short round is in this one. So Crystal for the Culture. Sc-
0: Crystal Skull didn't happen. It's not a quadrology. Why, why
1: do you keep bringing that up? I don't. I don't know what that is. You, you keep saying this crystal, whatever this is. I, I don't understand those.
0: Yeah, it's always been a trilogy. It's not a
1: quadrology. Yeah, it just right. Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think of that placement there? Um, you, I, you, I'm sure you get why I have it there, but I you get why you have it there. Yeah, yeah
0: I would have put it in prequel and sequel. Um, a, yeah. I really wanted that. That, that 89, 84 face off. Right. But um that that's just my personal thing. But um um I think he had a lot of challenges with this movie. Um a ton of challenges. Um he had a ton of of Indian people who who did not speak English at all. And he literally had to feed them their lines, which is why so many of their performances sound really wooden It's because they're literally just repeating what they were just told in a language they don't understand. Um, Short round is one of the best parts of this film. Kate Capshaw as Willie, Mm. weak. But Mm -hmm. what I love about Kate Capshaw in this is that she fits the exact type of girl that Indiana Jones would have been putting it to at this time. The story that it actually crafts for Indiana Jones is this takes place in 1934. and Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place in 1936 where he's pretty Mm. much like kind of like a selfless hero he's the kind of guy who's going out there and capturing antiquities and rare artifacts for a museum but if you watch Temple of Doom and you pay attention to his character in this film what's he say? what's he always say to Short Round? fortune and glory That's what he's looking for here. But by the end, he returns the Shankar stones to the village Mm. and he gives up his fortune and glory. Because if you remember the Shankar stones, all three of them are actually diamonds, massive, huge diamonds inside of those rocks that he could have made his fortune and glory on. And he gave them up for the greater good. And that's a character turn. And that's one of those things that like I see in the writing. I don't really see it so much in the directing, but mm. Steven Spielberg had a lot going on here. He also had an actor who had a herniated disc who was out of performance for most of the filming of this film. He, um, and like, uh, he was filming most of it underground in in a soundstage, but in this dark lighting. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's tough from a directing standpoint. And I still think, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg made the best fucking omelet you could get out of those, uh, out of those eggs he was given. He made the best lemonade you can get out of lemons he was given. But, I, I'm just going to stand on my own high horse here and said, come on, I picked your favorite film franchise and yeah. the director of it. I have to win because it's your franchise. Yes. <laughs> I yes, sacrificed my the- own. I gave up Last Crusade earlier so that <laughs> I could put this here. Just... To- Just to say. (laughs)
1: Wasn't really happy, uh, again, with uh, some of these placements. But, you know, and also another reason, this one, this movie right here uh, also created that PG-13 rating. Yeah, along with Gremlins.
0: It was PG. This film was PG. But there is a man who reaches his hand inside of another man's chest and removes his heart, still beating.
1: (laughs) Very dark movie, eating all types of monkey brains and um, that scene. Oh, Bugs. Um, but, yeah, I, I like it, too. Uh, you know, if, if the other two movies were tens, this one's like a nine and a half, uh, just because of, like, some of those dark tones of the, of the movie. But uh, still so very enjoyable.
0: Kalima, Kalima, shorty Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have put villain in there because Moharam was fucking scary. And I considered was, it. He I was considered a scar- it. I would say he's scarier than Nazis. Like, he is a better villain than Any other villain like Indiana Jones is your draw to to Raiders and he's your draw to Last Crusade. Um, But Mulharam is the scariest villain he's ever gone up against in film.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: you only got three to choose from. <laughs> That's true, because I never even heard of 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 Russian psychiatry uh, of Russian. Dude, <laughs> where, where
1: are you getting this? In? I, I don't I don't understand where, where you're getting this stuff from and see afu ants. And and, and you're going to tell me that she was played by like Kate Blanchett or something. <laughs> Kate Blanchett if you listen to our show. <laughs> right. Kate, Kate
0: Blanchett
1: <laughs> Um all right, so let's see. I just finished up with Temple of Doom, so that goes back to me for a female performance. Um I feel like this was a Slim Pickens, you know, uh th- this year, you know, just based off like some of the movies I came up with, they were they were really side characters, and not a whole lot of strong ones. But the ones that really stuck out to me, and I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, and uh, it's Kathleen Turner from *Romancing the Stone*. My God, she
0: almost made my list for oh, for right. this very category, man. But okay, uh,
1: I, I chose someone else for this role. Um, Did, but, um, the the movie is uh, is it coming up at all? Or can you? It, can you it will it not. Now or? It, 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 okay. will, it
0: will happen when we get to the things we didn't get to talk about. Got it. Okay. But it does star her co star in Romancing the Stone. It's those two together again. So if that's a tease for people who know Kathy Turner and Mike
1: Douglas movies. <laughs> okay. So that's it. I had nothing to add to it. Uh, oh, you never much. saw you never saw Romancing well, the Stone? A long time ago. Um And you know what to be honest? I don't know if it was that one or Jewel Nile. It's Indiana Jones Light,
0: but like Right. it's Indiana Jones finding love and actually keeping it like it's it's a lot of fun romancing the stone is a lot. and danny devito is fantastic in it like i fucking love danny devito
1: and romancing the stone yeah so knowledgeable this is why people need to check out your show if they have not yet i mean later on you're you bringing it <laughs> i think at the end i want to get
0: to the disease that i have and it is a disease i feel like um i'll explain it later on um
1: best female Sounds like per- a good one to have you know if you're a movie <laughs> reviewer.
0: <laughs> Best female performance for me, man. Meg Ryan, When Harry Met Sally. Oh, yeah. For I mean, no other reason than that diner scene. Oh, oh, oh you're the best. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Just that scene. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> she's, you know, I, she was one of my favorites growing up. Um, Dude, she became know. an America
0: sweetheart, like an American yeah icon because of this film like people fell in love with her as an actress because of this film and she like sailed she she basically launched the ship for every romantic comedy to come after harry met sally
1: like see the i think the first movie i saw her in was inner space Uh, again another movie uh reviewed on this show uh that was 87 though so i'm trying to think when i saw like harry met sally
0: well, it was after interspace it came out in eighty nine obviously mm-hmm. but so right uh, but i mean she's she was a fantastic actress, and I say was it's just not because she did anything terrible, she just hasn't been around for a while. I just feel like um she got by on her cute looks and her 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 fantastic delivery, and that type of stuff kind of goes away with age um I kind of feel like we might get like a resurgence of her later on, uh, kind of like Jane Fonda has done in some ways. Um, and we'll see Meg Ryan again in years to come, but her and Harry Metzowie, I feel like is one of the best performances that you could get out of an actress in the eighties. Um, and And you're right. You had slim pickings in 84 because I feel like that was so early on in the eighties, you know, women's role in film really didn't pick up until mm-hmm. much later. Like, Sarah Connor is formidable in, yeah, in, no, in Terminator. Yeah, no, I would have gone with T2
1: more. Right, yeah, because, but in T2, yeah.
0: she's a fucking heroine, man. Like, she's a mm-hmm. bulldog in that movie, man. Like, she goes after what you point her to. Um And... They they just they just did not write women well in the eighties. We'll be it's just, it. just it it was the Reagan era. You know it was it was all muscle, all gun, all you know America, all the time, and you know it 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 wasn't enough room for the ladies. Um, I think we do a better job of of highlighting ladies now. We're not perfect at it. We're not we're right. we haven't we have not we have not gotten the formula right yet. I don't think anyone has has really written a, a female character perfectly yet. I Josh would Joss Whedon who uh, I don't. You don't do current news all that much, but Joss Whedon just teased as the possible mm-hmm. uh, director for Batgirl, and I already said I hope Gail Simone, who is a female writer who's been writing Batgirl for years, is allowed to pen the first script. I would love that. Um, Joss Whedon does it well. Um, women, uh, women directors have done women well, but in the '80s, we didn't get that. Man, nope. a woman director was was almost unheard of right. uh a strong female character was almost unheard of princess leia was one of the first like she really paved the way so mm-hmm. i mean you didn't really have a lot to pick from in 84 uh if this was earlier on in the 80s you could have gone with ripley
1: but yeah, it wasn't you're right nope and that would have been like top 10 movie i'm sure <laughs> oh, she's so. top. She's top ten heroines of of like. Oh, all I mean, like uh, of the year, like the movies. Yeah, you know, like like the yeah, the Alien, like one, two, all of those would have been in the top ten grossing of that year. So yeah, oh yeah, like that, that would have been easy.
0: Yeah, it's just it's it's tough because the '80s didn't do women well, and they they didn't do women justice, and it wasn't a time in America where we were really thinking about. Equal, equal rights for women as as far as that's concerned as far as how we portrayed them like if you think about the 80s you think about you know like I said big muscles big guns big tits um, not so much big brains
1: on women unfortunately right. very unfortunate mm-hmm. so uh, so that goes back to well, me who... Be- best male performance oh right there we go yes our final so category this is the last one. final category so my
0: best male performance, Oh Captain, My Captain, mm. it's Robin Williams, Dead Poets Society. This is yeah. like one of those first dramatic roles for him that was so fucking fantastically done. Like He was so fucking fantastic in this movie. Um, he brings a lot of that energy from his comedy to this. But he 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 brings it through the poetry, brings it through teaching, he brings it through reaching these kids. And that's my favorite scene in the film. The kid standing on, oh, Captain, my captain. Like, I fucking love this movie. I fucking love Robin Williams. um, And I couldn't think of any best male performance for this year than this.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that kills it, man. Like, Robin Williams is such a great comedian. I mean, it translates to drama so well. You know, people often say it and I didn't even realize it until, you know, I became a big fan of Breaking Bad, where all they did was hire a bunch of comedians, you know, who have great timing and are able to pull off uh drama very, very well. That's a hundred percent
0: true. I think yeah. like comedy is ninety nine percent timing and delivery. Um and like I I would say like the one percent is like the physical aspect of it. I mean that's an exaggeration, obviously, but Brian Cranston like when he was the dad as Hal in mm-hmm. uh in in Malcolm Malcolm in the Middle. Middle, um and and then he brought. He brought a lot of like Hal's mannerisms to Walter White. Like I-, I think of like that first season when the in Breaking Bad when the um, RV fills up with all the noxious gases and they come running out and they're stripping off the stuff and he's running around. That's mm-hmm. a lot of what Hal would have done. Like if if a bug bomb had gone off in the house and all everyone was still inside. Like it's it's and and Robin Williams does the same thing, man. Like that energy that he had on the stage as as a comedian he brought to his dramatic role he does it again you know in things like um goodwill hunting exactly um, yeah you know and and he did it to an extent in uh good morning vietnam like that's not so much a comedy um but he is comedic in it he's he's bringing the light to this dark place um and and but I think Dead Poets Society is the first time, like, he did drama right, like, and, and you realize that, like, fuck, this guy has really great delivery and really great timing. Like, he, he's, he was probably the easiest person to direct ever, I, I imagine. like he, Oh, yeah. I, I mean... I, I feel like the- he immediately got everything that was given to him. Like, he just got it.
1: I feel like there was, you know, that now that begs it to, to question, like what happened with uh, Batman Forever, you know, uh, with him being the Riddler. But um, I mean, like, just about every performance has been top notch from Robin Williams. I mean, you can say what you want about like certain movies, but like the, the best things about these movies are usually him. Uh, Insomnia, well, it was a, a great movie, you know, another a serious role for him. Um, One Hour Photo. The final cut, you know, dark movies. Um, what about the world's greatest dad, right? Yeah, dark world's comedy. greatest You know, great I, acting. Dude, so, yeah, he's
0: he's he's one of the like the pillars, like this this phenomenal thing. And we just talked about him a lot on on uh, our episode thirty seven, where we reviewed Beauty and the Beast and we did our top five animated. We talked about him a mm-hmm. lot as the genie, the genie, yeah, and how much he brought to that. Like the, that movie would have been one of disney's worst honestly one of disney's worst if not for him as the genie and like they're talking about remaking it as a live action and possibly using all of his b-roll from from the original aladdin hundreds of hours of b-roll this dude rolled out like in a recording studio that is just has been unheard mostly by people that they could just use to literally remake the genie, still using him. And I feel like if you got anybody else to do it, it it, it, it will not even hold up. It would just not hold up. But if oh, yeah. you if you used his B roll and you did it with his family's blessing and 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 obviously paying his estate, hundred percent. That's the way to go.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's kind of like you know with Paul Walker with uh, Furious Seven right you know you complete the movie with him you use his brothers and then uh you know just put uh put his face over their or their body do the same thing yeah get the blessing from the family re um you know you could maybe even if it's a remake you know like beauty and the beast had a lot of similar lines it's the same music why can't you just reuse a lot of the same audio and dialogue from the movie as well the animated movie
0: absolutely i mean we talked about how great robin williams is who's your best male performance beat
1: my best male performance uh also rest in peace uh to both uh, both actors here i got pat morita from the Karate kid mr miyagi
0: he's awesome i mean like he's i think that's a role that like people remember him for like right you remember him as mr miyagi you don't remember him as arnold from happy days but he was there i mean he was there he was an integral part of that show but you don't remember him as that but um him as Mr. Miyagi. Fuck, yeah. I mean that's 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 good. Like he Pat Morena is fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean he got nominated for best supporting actor. Um you know when people casted him it was like, "Oh yeah, the comedian." You know, "Oh man, he he brought a lot of pain to the character and all of this. Um one of my favorite sequels of all time is the Kar- Karate Kid 2 where it's about Mr. Miyagi going back to Okinawa. You know, you get his backstory and stuff, and he continues that strong acting uh, into there as well. Right. And uh, he's, very hard.
0: And he's kind of shamed, right? Like, like he, yeah. he's ashamed to go back for like his, for basically just being involved in World War Two. Just, just his involvement is is disgusting to to them, and, uh, and it's not disgusting to him. It's just he feels like he has things to apologize for, like going back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So very hard to pit up against uh, the, the likes of, of Robin Williams, um, but I had no Robin Williams in '84.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man! All right, so we're to our honorable mentions. You went last for your for your performance. I mean, we don't want to say honorable mentions, but films we couldn't use, films yeah. that just didn't fit, but we really want to highlight. So just run through yours first, man. Like, what's what's on your list that you just couldn't you couldn't fit into this.
1: Well, uh, in the horror category, I really wanted to use *A Nightmare on Elm Street*, and that was outside of the thirty. Um, that is one of my favorite horror franchises, and I'm actually not even a horror guy, but that's that's one that I would not use there. Um, *Last Starfighter* just right outside. I, oh I, I, f- I think it was like thirty-one. One, know, of I, like, <laughs> one of my favorite eighty movies, like one of my
0: favorite eighties movies, like yeah. Hasn't gone everybody... through fight
1: scene, you know? Maybe even um, uh, special effects like
0: hasn't everybody wanted to play an arcade game and just be Get recruited and be <laughs> it and just like live it and just like this is my life dude i'm a fucking starfighter now like it's so yeah. cool i mean it stood on the shoulders of star wars a little bit um but right right it's it had fantastic practical effects i think you're right like special effects are great in it um that's that's an awesome film i'm kind of sad that it was out of the top 30 i mean yeah, there's a th- lot of 31 that dude it was 31 <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> number 31 uh and the last one i want to mention this would have actually been my backup um mm, well top three for for soundtrack you know backup or the third one it's debatable but 16 candles also came out in 84
0: oh my god Maui ringwald you could have used that for best actress man um uh, was that or Breakout Performance. 84 would have been like one of her first films. Yeah,
1: yeah. Unfortunately, 16 Candles. Let's Number, see 42. That... Number
0: 42. Number 42. It's my guess. Uh, you're not far off. Uh, 44. Yeah, it's that. That's like the beginning of John Hughes' error, man. Like if if we had been doing 85 versus 90 or something, you could have easily have fit Maui Ringwald in somewhere or John Hughes film in somewhere. But 84 is really kind of like with 16 Candles. It's kind of like his on the map, uh, writing and directing. Like it's 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 one of his first. So. Uh, but Sixteen Candles. Uh I think out of some of the films on both of our lists, Sixteen Candles is the one that like people remember the most. Like that's a film oh, that absolutely. people remember. I have a few on mine that like people remember um now more so than maybe it's box office shows.
1: And uh, so, what do you have? Uh, and you know, in this one, I wouldn't have put anywhere like on this uh, any of the categories. Um, or two actually, just real quick, the never-ending story uh, was in there, and also Supergirl.
0: Supergirl, yeah, that's just like that. That that's again like the end of an era, right? Like, I, I don't even think Warner Brothers made that, right? That's after they sold Superman off the, to. Uh... It's
1: it's the same one as the. Uh, it's the same one that did uh, Superman Four, Yeah, a Quest for Peace. I so can't it's remember. C. It's not, it's not canon, right? Or canon. something like that. It is canon. It is canon. It is canon. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's when that that's after Warner Brothers is like, "Yo, we're done. Hands right. washed. Yeah, you it guys off can canon. have it. Yeah, you guys just do whatever you want with it. Just destroy it. Whatever. <laughs> and, com- and comic books were in the toilet. <laughs> comic books were in the toilet. Then the movies were in the toilet. Then uh, they were ready to hang everything up until Frank Miller came along and did the Dark Knight Returns, and kind of like reinvigorated comics and did this whole thing. where like, we can go darker. We can be real or we can do more with our medium. And they started to guys like him and Alan Moore. And, um, yeah, so many other writers at the time. I think of those two, cause they're the most prominent, but, um, Denny O'Neill, uh, just guys like those just really took comics to another level and really gave us the type of films that we got with 89 and, uh, 92 with, with a uh, Batman and Batman returns and then we had our lull again but that that happens um but the other film that you mentioned is one that's 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 more you know telling it's but it's one that I would rather you know see on a list man never ending story Yeah absolutely man I I think everyone's seen the the never ending story and they can relate to it I don't know how well it holds up um I haven't seen it in the, in quite a few years but haven't we all just like just like the last Starfighter? Haven't we all like read a story and just wanted to put ourselves in it and live it? Yeah, it's... did that with Princess Bride. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> uh, have I ever told you my last name, Pete?
1: Um, no. But you no. can
0: see it on Skype, right?
1: Okay, so I wasn't sure if that's where you were going, if that was actually your real last name or not. Yeah,
0: it is, but we'll leave it a secret. I'm sure people can figure it out from what I've said. I just don't want people to find me. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) The things I say on this show should not echo my personal life. I'm just saying that right now. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, So the films I have, man, I have a bunch, but like really, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about them. Roadhouse is on there because that could have went in last uh, for fight scene, just for that fight scene where where he rips where where. Patrick Swayze rips that dude's throat out, right? Like, yeah, what yeah. a fucking awesome scene. Not in the top 30 of that year. Just not, wow. not there. Yeah,
1: hindsight, you would think it was.
0: Look who's talking. It didn't make my list because it didn't mm. fit anywhere. But uh, someone brought it up on on Twitter. Uh, let me go there real quick so I can give them
1: just like a little bit of credit.
0: Um... I guess,
1: mm, no. That's, yeah, that is a tough one. Look who's talking. Yeah,
0: um, it was E I L F M podcast. So that's right. uh, Yep. Everything I learned from learned movies, from pod- movies. Yeah. Everything I learned from movies podcast uh, on Twitter. That's at E I L F M movies on there. He said, "Look who's talking." Nearly tripled major leagues. Box office, what the fuck, nineteen eighty nine? Which is true. Like Major League is such a better comedy, but I feel like look who's talking. Though, yeah, look who's talking fits like it. it, You it it hits so much more, um, so much more of an audience. Like more people could go see that than go see you know the fucks and shits that are in Major League. Uh, Look who's talking was just more of like a family friendly film. The next one I have.
1: I mean, and just real quick, though, but if you think about it, you also got, like, John Travolta, who was in uh, Greece, you know, yeah. and uh, Saturday uh, Night Fever. Christy um, Alley and Cheers Alley. was super
0: popular at the exactly. time. Like, and then
1: Bruce Willis voices Little Mikey, you know. Um, I don't know if that was, like, if people really knew that at the time, but he was already John McClane at this at this point. And people you know, may not so. have
0: cared then, but I cared. Yeah. Uh, uh, Abe Bagoda.
1: <laughs> who?
0: A <laughs> a pagoda. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and, and
1: the um i forget the actor's name it's escaping me right now but the guy who played the the OG Casey Jones in the 1990 uh, that's Ninja, right. Ninja Turtles movie yeah. uh, Elias Codius or something like that Yeah that dude yeah, yeah. is in
0: a fucking lot dude like like yeah. go back and watch movies and that dude is in a fucking lot and then you go oh shit it's Casey Jones <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what you right. always say he he is probably the most famous Greek guy <laughs> in Hollywood or at least
1: in in more things next to John Stamos <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's that would have been a tough one. Um, because um, yeah, fit you in. had major league. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough mm. to fit in, but it,
0: I I feel like it's a film that like everyone remembers, and it's a lot of fun. It's a fun film, but it is a family film, and it just really didn't fit in much of our list. Uh, the next one I have is another Tom Hanks one, Turner and Hooch. I'm a huge dog person. That's why that is a, holds a special place in my heart. That movie makes me cry my fucking eyes out. Every time. And then it makes me like in the middle of me still sobbing, like the end of that film, when you find out that like Hooch had puppies and there's the one puppy who looks just like Hooch and he finds him in his closet and he has the shoe and they do that call back to his. That is not yours. This does not belong to you. Uh, it just it, it brings you back up and makes you laugh like right in the middle of your tears. Spoilers: Hoosh dies, guys. I mean, that's what they did to dogs in the '80s. They didn't make it.
1: <laughs> actually, I mean, they it goes f- as far as back
0: as Lassie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's even a collie in that film just to pay homage to Lassie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is another one that came out in '89. Wayne Zelensky shrinks his kids for best villain. I actually toyed with putting the Shrink Ray as, as my villain.
1: <laughs> now, let me ask you something. What, what did you have for special effects? I know we're going to recap these again, though. The Abyss. I had The Abyss okay. for yeah. special oh, effects. Yeah. James That's, Cameron. Yeah. Hands right. down. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah, but, that, that could
0: have gone like special effects, too. Yeah. I, th- I think of when I used to go to Disney World, and uh, at the time, it wasn't Mickey's Hollywood Studios. It was called uh, Disney presents MGM studios. They shrunk uh, the
1: audience, right?
0: Right. Yeah, Honey yeah. I shrunk the audience. And then they had like the playground for kids where you could slide down blades of grass and you know I remember cl- this. Climb up mm-hmm. like uh like dirt walls and shit. Uh, and they had a giant ant. They had auntie that you could ride on. But like, how heartbreaking was that when the scorpion kills the auntie Oh man. man,
1: yeah, it still gets uh, me.
0: Yeah. So if if we had a kids category, if we had like best kids films in this, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. or family movie, yeah, family, family movie would have been yeah, yeah, in yeah.
1: there. Maybe maybe we incorporate that next time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I
0: I toyed with this next movie going in best sequel and best comedy, but honestly, I feel like. I feel like I did the best I could with what I had. And I feel like I, I put the best sequel that I had in its place. And I feel like I put the best comedy that I had in its place. But the next one I have is Christmas Vacation.
1: Oh, wow. Oh,
0: yep. That's that's a
1: tough one to throw in there, too.
0: It's, it's just such a great fucking film. Uh, another one I have on here is only on here because it could have went in best comedy, but only because of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor together. See no evil, hear no evil.
1: Fucking
0: okay. Fantastic. The one I wanted to put in writing but doesn't break the top 30 of that year. And it's a fantastic film and if no one has ever seen it, if you've ever questioned, you know, racism, if you've ever questioned, you know, what it means to be a racism, racism doesn't always happen overtly. It doesn't always happen because you use a bad word. Sometimes it happens subconsciously and that's that's the type of racism that needs to be erased from the world. Um it's do the right thing.
1: Mm, okay. Spike
0: Lees Do the Right Thing. It was not it did not break the top thirty, but it is a fantastically written film. Just an awesomely written film. And if you haven't seen it, see it. Like absolutely see it. Um and the final one that I have is just a nostalgia bomb. Um I couldn't find a place to put it in there. It's say anything.
1: Nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, that could have gone underwriting, but you know, I think what you had was good.
0: Yeah, Say Anything is is just one of those films. It holds so much resonance today, but it, it really didn't break the top 30 then. Um, and just to go back to do the right thing for a minute, to this day, Spike Lee and the actor who played the guy who owned the pizza joint still argue that to this day. Over oh, whether, that right? <laughs> whether whether you know Tony, the guy who owned the pizza place, was a racist or not. The guy who played him said he was not racist, and Spike Lee said, "No, he's the worst kind of racist. He is subconsciously racist, which is worse than overtly racist. Because when someone is overtly racist, you know how to you know how to avoid them, you know how to fight them. But when someone is subconsciously racist, you don't see it happening until the worst possible moment." Uh, do the right thing is a really, really powerful movie that I feel like everyone needs to see at some point in their life, and probably as an adult now. If you were a kid when it came out in '89, it probably holds more weight now than it did then.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I think I'm gonna add that like straight up, like to the top of my queue. Uh, definitely one I'd, I'd, I'd been meaning to check out. Uh, for sure. But um, man quite a bit to say about these like yeah i I feel like you did like legit movie reviews uh with with your entries too i thought we were just gonna say hey this is what it is and this is why but hey (laughs) i'm so
0: sorry like i'm so sorry because you have to like edit i'm looking at my clock and we're at like to two hours and 17 and it won't be this
1: long. I know that there's things to edit out. We took it, a few it, breaks it, in there. It, it will be like 2.15. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, there, there really isn't the, that much to take out. Cause um, I mean, I I think, I think everything you had to say was great. Um, I think both of us just had like different ideas on how to present <laughs> our, our entries is all. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I enjoyed everything you had to say. So, uh, so like I said, quick, I have a disease, man. I
0: got a disease. Like, when I get into something, like, I take it on fully. Like, I I just, like, if, if it's a sequel, I have to watch what came before it. If it's a new one, I have to watch all the sequels that came after it. Like, it's just a thing that I have. Like, I have to know as much about a movie that I love as I possibly can to, like... Because the next time I watch it, I take what I know about the behind the scenes. I take what I know, and then I watch the film, and it, like it fills me more with joy to like watch it, to know the hardships that went into making it, to know how hard it was to pull off that special effects scene. Like that type of stuff really, really gets my juices going so like I know a lot about films because I go out there on my own and like I just research them like watching films is is great but the fact is I can only watch a film so many times before my enjoyment has kind of been squeezed out of it and I have to look for more to find more things to enjoy about that film so that's why I have so much to say about film um, and I apologize for my long oh.
1: fucking windedness god <laughs> Not, not at all. Like people, people are probably gonna be like, well, "Wait, why is it this long?" This? <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll know, they'll know. But if you like the technical stuff, and just give a shout out to, um, you know, friends of the show, uh, the women over at the uh, the Cutaways Podcast, they give you insight into like editing and and um, they know all about like. You know, uh, film and all that good stuff. So, if you eat that type of stuff up, man, I definitely uh, recommend—and not just to you, Dave, but uh, to anybody—to check out their show. Um, oh, I've been—I yeah, listen. They, they have a fantastic show. I fucking they love them. Uh, they do. They've been on here a couple times. Um yeah yeah a couple times and and i've enjoyed it every time and they always apologize for getting all technical on me i go no i love it like i here, just continue talking <laughs> you know so um same thing with you being on the show man you are very knowledgeable you know you are uh bringing it um and even like the movies i'm not so familiar f- familiar with um you know you're definitely bringing a different type of insight that makes me want to check out these movies so i uh, appreciate that
0: well, thank you for your compliments, sir.
1: Yeah, so I I think you win, man. You you had a lot of great <laughs> entries. I might have had a couple of big ones, you know. Uh, dude, according to you, you, you know, you,
0: but you pulled that fat cock out and just yeah. smacked it across the mic when you had the chances. <laughs> and absolutely, dude, I feel like both of us win. Like the both these years are fantastic years in film. Um, I feel like like both these years, like mine where it was like the end of the eighties and yours was the heart of the eighties. So like they're it's it's tough to really compare them because of of where they stand in the timeline. You don't think of five years as changing that much, but it, it really does. Like just go watch, you know, a film from the from the from, from the mid 80s and then watch a film from the late 80s and just see how much the world progresses and how much audience progresses and how much filmmaking progresses like you mentioned it when I talked about the abyss like look how much uh, special effects came in just five fucking years yeah. so it's tough to compare but I think we both had great lists I think we both talked about great films and I think both are great years and if you haven't seen any of the films that we talked about Go out there, like, educate yourself a little bit. But something tells me, if you listen to Pete's show,
1: you listen to Podstalgic, and you
0: listen to Super Movie Brothers, you know a little something, something.
1: Just a little something. Maybe more so your show. Uh, I just give my thoughts. I don't know if I'm really teaching anybody anything, but, um, yeah, man, it, it's a lot of fun. I think in future episodes, I, I think this five-year gap is a great idea. You know, if we try to pick years that are way too close, you might not get that, um, you know, that dynamic in, in the, the effects, you know, the, the contrast, I guess is a, is a better word for it. Um, so I like that a lot, actually, you know, that, that we did have a five-year, uh, gap in between our yeah. years. So. Great juxtaposition to have. It is. It is. That's even a better word than contrast. So there you are, man. Um, You know, bringing the vocab here as well. (laughs) So let's uh, let's recap the the list real quick. Um, I'll just go ahead and start since I'm already talking. But uh, let's see. Best montage, I had Police Academy. Uh, Best special effects, I had Search for Spock. Best fight scene was Ghostbusters. Best writing was The Killing Fields. Uh, Best soundtracks: Footloose. Best sequel... Uh, is Conan the Destroyer. Best Horror Movie was Gremlins. Best Comedy was Bachelor Party. Uh, Best Action Movie was Beverly Hills Cop. Best Drama was Amadeus, Amadeus. Um, Best Breakthrough Performance, Tom Hanks and Splash. Got a great career now. Uh, best villain was The Terminator. Best director was Temple of Doom. Best female performance, Kathleen Turner in Romancing the Stone. And best male performance, Pat Morita in The Credit Kid. Now, do you remember when we first talked about doing this and we were going to do 20 movies? Oh, my <laughs> 20, God. 20 right? categories? Dude, when oh. you
0: said like, no, nah, I want to be recording for like an hour, hour and a half. And I was I wanted to go. You listen to my show.
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> exactly you, you know what a windbag i am
1: <laughs> hey i podcast with you on the walking dead there's not a whole it's lot true. to say about that Yeah, we you know our episodes go go pretty lengthy sometimes <laughs> i love the fact that
0: we've both been lackluster on like the whole
1: this whole end of the season yeah, yeah right. we still
0: we still fill an hour pretty well <laughs>
1: yeah pretty much
0: uh just to recap my list um mm-hmm. My best montage was Ghostbusters 2 for the Ghostbusters are back montage. Uh, my best special effects were The Abyss because it was directed by James fucking cameron my best fight scene was tango and cash because i couldn't fit roadhouse in there because it didn't break the top 30 my best writing was driving miss daisy down to the supermarket (laughs) over to church to the country club and that racist ass bitch never tipped me once uh because i couldn't fit do the right thing in there because it was not in the top 30 My best soundtrack was The Little Mermaid because of how fucking memorable it is. It lost that category. Best sequel slash prequel was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, Best horror was Stephen King's Pet Sematary. Best comedy was Major League because, fuck, that's an awesome movie. Best Mm -hmm. action was Lethal Weapon 2 because diplomatic immunity has just been revoked. Best drama was Field of Dreams because it pulls at my heartstrings. Breakthrough Performance was Macaulay Culkin because of this role we got Home Alone, which is a fantastic fucking film, and Macaulay Culkin brings it in Uncle Buck. Best Villain was because the devil dances in the pale moonlight, and we had the Joker uh, there, and then Best Director was Bob Zemeckis for Back to the Future 2 because of all the plates he had to spin. Just to make Back to the Future 2 fit in with Back to the Future 1 and Back to the Future 3. Best female performance was Meg Ryan because she fakes an orgasm better than my wife does. And best (laughs) male performance was Robin Williams because he is my captain of comedy. I, I have never found anyone that's more entertaining to watch than Robin Williams. And I don't just say that because he's fucking dead. I say that because... He was an entertaining guy, and it's so sad to hear that someone that you look up to, someone that had so much energy, had so many demons in the closet, because you you just never know. Um, And I used to work with people who had psychological issues. Sometimes you just don't know.
1: You know, and just to kind of, um, again, shout out the Cutaways podcast, but when they were on my show, we did The Fisher King, uh, also with Robin Williams. You know, Ashley mentions how, like, growing up, like, Robin Williams was essentially, like, her dad. You know, we, we all grew up watching all of his movies. You know, think, think about it. Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji, Hook. The Birdcage. Um, Birdcage. Like, uh, <laughs> I think that <laughs> the was... Remake, an- yes. I want to say, was
0: that an '89 film, The Birdcage? Was I not I able to feel, fit that in there?
1: I feel that's a uh, early '90s. It I'm might thinking, be, maybe '92 or but something. But either like that. way, uh, either way, another
0: fantastic Robin Williams role. Birdcage, great movies.
1: I mean, Just great movies all around. Yeah, always I, around.
0: Pete, I had so much fucking fun doing this, dude. I, hey, I, man, know, I, I know, I had I know a lot it's of long. fun
1: listening to you. You know, despite what you think, like I, I <laughs> th- look, if you are listening to this episode, what you had to say is, I think what a lot of people were expecting. Um, but I was just gonna just do like a straight up list awards, you know. So, so that's it, man. Like, I I commend you for everything that you brought. I had a good time listening to you, my good sir. I mean, you could have played
0: the music at any time and just gotten that <laughs> lamb hook out. I didn't have a queued up I didn't have a cue. That, that was the problem, really. I, I yeah. feel like if you were Price Waterhouse clearing, like the <laughs> it would have played at some <laughs> point. Like, just shut the fuck up. Get him off stage. Get him off. Just get him off. He's ruining it for everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not at all, man. I enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, you know, we we're different types of movie reviewers, right? And uh yeah, I just appreciate everything you have to say.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I had a ton of fun doing this, dude. I I I love listening to your show. I was so excited. Like I love doing the walking dead with you every week. It's a lot of fun. I feel like it's it's probably the most intimate thing I've done with any other podcaster. This tops it. This is the most intimate thing I've done with any other podcasters. It's the most intimate guest hosting I've ever done. I loved this one on one. I can't wait to hear if you have more of these. I, I, I just want to listen to them. I think it's I think you got a great thing here, man. I I, I hope to hear
1: more of these. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um Yeah, I I think what made this, like, intimate for me, like, I I agree with you, like, you know, uh, for for you, I I think especially, you had a lot more stories to share, you know, along with some of these movies. And I think, you know, it kind of helps that uh, a lot of these movies were a lot better than movies uh, from the early 80s as well. Um, Just being, you know, 1984, again, it's so early in my childhood. A lot of these movies didn't really carry on into my childhood you know, like the 89 ones have, a lot of those movies are still pretty, pretty relevant in my opinion.
0: Yeah, they are. And movies for me are, are life. Like movies for me, when you see them at a certain time in your life resonate to you, you might see them in a different light as you get older, but that feeling, that emotion you had the first time you saw them still holds true into your adulthood. And that's why most of like 89 films, that's why I picked that this this year to defend and to talk about is because, I mean, come on, Batman, Indiana Jones, who Mm -hmm. I am as a person is, is reflectant of, of the films of that era. And that's, and that's, that's, you know, life imitating art, art imitating life, you know, back and forth. It's why guys like me and you talk about pop culture. It's why me and you talk about film because of, of what it, what it makes us feel. It doesn't matter how eloquently you talk about it. It just matters how it made you feel. Like, yeah. and that's, that's why we do these type of shows. That's why we hope that the people who listen to us feel the way we do. And if they don't, I hope that you walk away feeling a little bit different about what you've
1: watched. And that, hey, and that's why it's called Podstalgic, you know, trying to capture that nostalgia back when we remember watching these movies. Nostalgia all over your face, neck and chest, man. <laughs> Indeed, after this episode. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, just a reminder, where can listeners uh, check out your show and where can they find you to talk more about your movies from 1989? So, you can find me on at SupermoviePod
0: on Twitter. If you want to listen to the show, the best place to listen to us and the place that you can review us that helps us out the most is on iTunes. You can leave us a five star review on there if you like uh, this show. I definitely leave Podstalgic a five star review because Pete is fucking worth it. He's fucking oh. worth your two minutes to leave it. But thanks, man. If you have four minutes and you want to leave another two minute review for Super Movie Brothers podcast, go ahead and do that on iTunes. And then we're everywhere else. That podcast can be feeded into your ear holes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Or, you know, you can even find us on YouTube if you want to do a search on there. Uh, we're we're everywhere. But the best place to find us is on iTunes or just find us at our own home site, which is Libsyn, which we we put up on Twitter. But soon might change. I might not be with Libsyn anymore after uh, recent events in premium, withstanding.
1: Yeah. Um. For Podstalgic, I do have an Instagram account, and that and Twitter are both at Podstalgic. Uh. I'm also, uh, my, Well, my personal account on Twitter is at Rip Citizen, and you know I talk basketball and other stuff there. Retweet a lot of you know Portland blazers stuff. But, um, you know, I do an, yeah, yeah, right, right. Oregon Ducks, uh, you know, tomorrow uh, at the time of this recording. Um, but yeah, I do another show, We Got Five. That's also here at Court and Parts with Devin. Uh, you can find that, uh, here as well. Uh, Dave and I cover The Walking Dead over at TV, TV at My Brain, uh, another Court and Parts podcast. So, uh, yeah, check out the site, courtandparts.com. You'll find, um, a, a variety of shows, a variety of great, um, podcasts um you know i'm i'm kind of kind of everywhere I, I do multiple things i mean we got a, another show called music ate my brain i've contributed a few episodes over there reviewing movie reviews and, and stuff like that but um yeah uh th- thanks dave for for on the show thank you for pimping out the the itunes review uh that would really help out the visibility and all that good stuff as well so uh thank you everybody for tuning into this episode thank you guys for listening and your continued support and i will see you guys later hey thanks a lot for listening cheers and so sorry
0: for (laughs) so sorry for for for, just sorry no don't don't even apologize
1: man own it (laughs) just like guilty pleasures that's right that's right own (laughs) it
0: my lungs are are like bagpipes they just don't ever stop when you want them to
1: (laughs) yeah all right guys thanks again later
0: Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court Parts shows, visit cortemarts.com.